Man, there's so much going on today. I mean, we're probably going to see massive riots in many cities tonight. We'll see how that plays out. It's already 8 p.m. There's already been some protests I've seen in Minnesota. It might chill out throughout the rest of the week and then pick up again this weekend, which is really bad because the Chauvin deliberations should be taking place early next week. We think so far. We'll see how it plays out. But we do got, man, one of the biggest stories and... It's always really hard to properly provide commentary on a story from Project Veritas for one simple reason, which I will tell you in a second. Project Veritas has released undercover footage of a CNN technical director saying that they were just trying to get Donald Trump out of office, that they effectively produce propaganda. They're going to be producing fear content to push a climate change narrative. And you know why it's really hard to provide commentary on this? Because I'm just like, when I see this story, I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Don't you? Don't we all know CNN is doing this? I get it. Veritas has gotten us the receipts. And this is a massive story which broke over like 2.2 million views in only a couple of hours. It's been trending all day because now we have it. Now we can see it coming out of their mouths. James O'Keefe calls one of these guys at CNN. They just hang up the phone on him, of course. This is what they do. Unfortunately, as much as this is, this is huge. Project Veritas, will they be able to break that news to regular people who are still hooked in to the CNN narrative? That's the challenge. So that's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about what this guy said, why he said it. And I'll tell you what's interesting. When I saw this story hit local ABC affiliate, a local ABC affiliate, I'm like, okay, this story is big. This, this expose is big. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what's going on with this woman in the Dante Wright shooting in Minnesota. She's expected to be charged criminally tomorrow. We may very well see some more protests in the meantime. Joining us is commentary writer Tom Rogan. Good to be with you. Thank you, Tim. Just briefly introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm a commentary writer for the Washington Examiner, predominantly focused on national security and foreign policy, uh, dual citizen. So I'm not just a British invader <laughs> t- talking about American politics. Um, yeah. And that's that's the short of it. And, and UFO expert? I'm kidding. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I do take an interest, yeah, in uh, UFOs or UAPs, um, you know, because something really is going on there. And, and you know, I think I have pretty good sourcing on it. And a lot of journalists don't want to touch it. And there's, just, there's, there's another story that's been, that's been circulating for the past couple of weeks. There are like these tic-tac unidentified vehicles flying above naval vessels. Apparently now, now there's footage of it. So yeah. we'll get into all that. We'll talk about that uh, later on. Of course, we got Ian. He's Ian Crossland coming at you with a periodic table in one hand <laughs> and a cup of coffee in the other, ready to talk about metamaterials with Tom right. and <laughs> UFO right. machines. But also let's talk about things happening on Earth. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, I sent Tom this link. Uh, I was talking to him about the Project Veritas and He's like, yeah, we know about CNN. And I was like, yeah, but it's like big because they said it themselves. Anyway, I'm in the corner pushing buttons as always. Our patchlets. That's the big challenge. It's like breaking news, everyone. CNN is producing lies and propaganda, Shock. and they're like, "That's not breaking news." Yeah. But 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 Veritas got the guy on camera this time. It, two point two million views doesn't it's lie. Huge. Yes. That's, That's huge. huge. That's huge. All right, we'll talk about this before we get started, my friends. Go over to TimCast.com and become a member to get exclusive to get access to exclusive members only segments we recently updated the website we're still building it out we're still trying to improve upon it and uh, get things smooth and uh, smoothed out but if you go to timcast.com become a member you're helping support the show in the event that we get banned or whatever so don't forget if you're uh, listening on iTunes or Spotify leave us a good review give us five stars all that stuff and for everybody else on YouTube smash that like button it really helps subscribe because we're, we're like a couple thousand subscribers away from breaking one million on this show, and that will be really, really awesome. So, you know, special thank you to everybody who's watching. But I got one more thing to mention. Many people have been clamoring for that I am a gorilla tinfoil hat shirt. So if you go to TimCast.com, right up at the top, you can see that shop button. If you clip, click it, 
You can see we got here the limited edition tinfoil gorilla. It will probably only be up until the remainder of this week because I think it'll have been up then for about two weeks. And then we're probably going to take this one down because we have a ton of the gorilla shirts and maybe even the diamond hands gorilla will probably come down and we'll just keep the original gorilla shirt. So get them while you, you can because we're going to have more shirts coming up. And don't forget, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button. Let's read this first story from ABC 13 WHAM. Project Veritas says it caught CNN staffer admitting network pushed anti-Trump propaganda. This is an ABC affiliate reporting this, which if, if local news outlets are picking up Project Veritas, the story is pretty big. They say Veritas unveiled a video Tuesday that says that the group says is of a CNN staffer describing how the network worked to show then presidential candidate Joe Biden in a favorable light during the 2020 campaign. The undercover video captured a man, the self-proclaimed conservative watchdog group identified as CNN technical director Charlie Chester. I'm not sure Veritas has ever self-proclaimed to be conservative watchdogs, but I digress. Saying he decided to work with the network because it focused on removing former President Donald Trump. Chester also credited CNN as a critical tool in electing Biden. Quote, look, what we did, we got, we CNN got Trump out. I am 100% going to say it. And I 100% believe that if it wasn't for CNN, I don't know that Trump would have got voted out. I came to CNN because I wanted to be a part of that, the man said in one portion of the video. Chester was speaking to someone off camera at undisclosed locations. He was targeted through the dating app Tinder, according to Mediaite. That is impressive work from Project Veritas. How do they do that? Tinder's random. It shows you a person. So they have, they, so James O'Keefe has got young women like swiping right on these dudes, like just scouring Tinder, looking for someone who says, I work at CNN. Boom. Well, that's a foreign intelligence way. You know, you, you, if you just do mass, you know, spread and then you can target it down. As you I'm find imp- the person. I'm impressed. If they if they really did use Tinder to get access to these these guys, that means Veritas does more substantive investigative work than I realized. Yeah, good tradecraft. Or it could yeah, have been yeah, a girl seriously. that just met some dude and was like, oh, you work for CNN? Oh, I got to get in touch with Project Veritas about this. I, I got to say, you know, if they're reporting that, I really believe it. Because you have to wonder how it is they consistently get access to some of these people. They're not just like walking into places and being like, hi, tell me all your secrets. <laughs> right. Going on a date with some dude and having him spill the beans. Now, I will say you got to be careful about one thing. Could this guy be hamming it up because he's trying to get laid? Well, right. definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes, of course. <laughs> is is she like, I hate Trump? Because I hate Trump, too. <laughs> yeah, in fact. Yeah. yeah. And then she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, CNN helped helped get him out. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, CNN definitely did that. I did that. I, that's why I'm here. Right. Want to back to my place? Yeah. <laughs> that's almost why we need the kind of body camera right with a police officer before they pull up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you want, you want the totality of the circumstances, but you know what though? I will, I will say, um, there, there was one undercover video that Project Veritas got with a guy. I'm not going to name that I knew, and they had a young woman talking to this guy, and the guy was saying all of this stuff about what he could do at the New York Times or whatever. And I'm like, dude, he is hamming it up. He is trying to impress this lady. He's talking smack. And I'll say it, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shill for Veritas in every circumstance. I'll criticize him if I, if I see some, something, reason to do it. But this is different. This is a news, this is someone who's working for a CNN, a technical director, who has no problem telling members of the public, be it, is he lying to this young woman about what CNN does? He's, he's confident enough, for whatever reason, to say, CNN produces fear, we propagandize, and our goal was political. Now he said it. That's it. And I, I do think one of the challenges here, though, for, for CNN, and you know, of course it applies to other outlets, is that, you know, 
on one side you do have we saw it in the campaign uh, obviously um very anti-trump coverage very pro-biden um and the other side you know certainly some of their foreign policy correspondents uh kylie atkins you know jim shudo who i think has sort of moved more in the opinion side you know do really good reporting so it's a it's it's a challenge for them in a sense right that they that this you know because this is not great for their you know, credibility well you know, the, or, the outlets and it's sort of unfair on them in a sense i don't think they care i think you know you turn on reliable sources today and what's oliver darcy and brian Stelter talk Stelter talking about who's the right-wing boogeyman today i jokingly you know i'll tweet at brian Stelter that he's the host of the fox news review show right because you turn on sunday morning with cnn and it's brian Stelter, brian Stelter telling you what fox news is talking about and i'm like what is this how is this in any way news about the media environment Tucker Carlson said something offensive. And I'm like, okay, what's going on with the media? Are there layoffs? Is the business growing? What are journalists doing? No, it's just basically CNN's like, hey, we can make money because people don't like Fox News. And there you go. In a sense, though, you know, Brian Stelter's media show, it's not so much like how how he curts on Fox. It's sort of, I think, more become kind of Laura Ingram, right? That, or Sean Hannity, that it's a more overtly opinion show yep. that that's presenting itself as a media show. And, absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and I'll say that, you know, with respect, he's allowed to do that. Right. If he wants to be an opinion show, if he wants to be the Sunday morning version of Hannity for the left or whatever. Right. The only problem is, you know, when Sean Hannity rags on the liberal media, there's many different liberal medias to rag on. Right. The Fox News is almost one of a kind. I mean, for cable news, it basically is. When media, when, when reliable sources, you know, CNN just talks about Fox News all day, every day, I'm like, I just, I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't see the urgency here, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's one channel. I know they got a big viewership, but when you combine CBS, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, HLN, CNN, et cetera, I mean, we're looking at 30, 40, 50 million views or whatever. And then Fox News, they're huge. You know, 3 million views. They're rivaling, you know, Rachel Maddow and they're, they're bouncing back and forth between CNN and the rate, beating CNN in the ratings. But you combine all of these media outlets and their bias, Fox News doesn't really reach that level. So it's like CNN doing that show is really weird in my opinion but more to the point cnn's coverage has been just 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 absolutely awful along with many of these other outlets now we're hearing this guy say all this stuff i'm just kind of like you know i have something i call the cnn challenge i did call the cnn challenge you can't really do it anymore because trump's not president but i would i'm somebody who watches the news and i would turn out i used to watch cnn i used to leave cnn running in the background so i'd have some like breaking news you know here's what's happening and then just one day, I'm like, are they talking about Trump again? So I switched to Fox News, and they're like, protests erupt in Iran. You know, Tehran, you know, protesters in Tehran are, are doing, and I'm like, wow, this is big. And then I switched back to CNN, like, but Trump, what you need to understand about Trump? And I'm like, okay. So I did it several times. One point, Fox News is like, Hong Kong, protests erupt. China's moving in. Turn to CNN. Now, Donald Trump is, I even turned to CNN, to Fox News once, and they're like, a big winter storm is headed our way. Everyone, you need to buckle down. Turn to CNN. Oh, Donald Trump. And so I just called it the Trump challenge because that's basically what they were, they, you know, their bread and butter. Now take all of that information. And someone made a really interesting point with this CNN, te- CNN technical director stating in numerous videos, we were activists. We we're trying to get the president out. The goal was political. We produced propaganda. Some people have said that fulfills the actual malice standard oh. now allowing Donald Trump to sue CNN for defamation because you have a CNN staffer, a director on the record saying, yeah, we're full of it. You know, can you use this guy's? Is it testimony? Is this considered? What is it? Can you use this guy's statements as like in a, in a court of law? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Right. 
No, that he. I mean, they would have to get him tested. I, I, I don't think there's any chance of that. The actual malice standard, you know, New York Times v. Solomon, which is the case, especially the federal courts, uh, the judiciary in terms of the case on this has been very predisposed uh, towards deference, towards right. media speech. And I think that's the way to go. And I just, for them, they would have to show, number one, that it was representative of, of right. CNN. Um, and of who spoke in the first place. Exactly. Right? Did he have the authority as an a- agency to, to say that? And I who, and, and, and the, the individual who reported, say, Donald Trump, you know, you know, punched a goat or something. Right. Was it the same person? Right. Did exactly. that person genuinely believe they're telling the truth? So right. it's, it's right. not so cut and dry. But I actually, I, I, I agree with, I agree to a certain, I agree to a certain degree that protecting speech for the media is important in that Sometimes there's a legitimate attempt at reporting news. You make a mistake. And if we sued every time someone got something wrong, there wouldn't be news outlets. Right. News outlets should correct. And that, that, I guess that was the, 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 the intent. It was like, well, you know, they can just correct the record, but there's no obligation to do it. That's problem number one. If CNN writes fake news and Donald Trump says, please correct this, they can say no. Then, you know, Trump or somebody will file a defamation suit. And the judge will say, anti-slap, you're dismissed, get out. So how do you correct the record when these news outlets are lying and you can't break through that, that you know, actual malice standard, that barrier? Well, I, I think the ultimate correction point you would hope, and, and certainly I believe it, is, is that, you know, credibility is lost, right? That you would, the consumer ultimately gets to decide what they want with news, right? You have people watching this show, you have people watching CNN, whatever their reasons, you have people reading across the gamut of news and commentary, and that ultimately, uh, we would hope uh, that that people decide actually when they see stuff coming out and, and a lack of responsibility, right? People are willing to forgive mistakes uh, that perhaps it's not the place for them to. That's that, that's the inverse, though. If CNN admits they were wrong, they lose credibility. Well, they lose credibility with their most loyal base. But I think if if they don't admit they're wrong, then no where one the knows saliency of the fact. Well, that, that, that I think I think, you know people are talking about i mean project veritas right that, that it's out there I, I agree with you 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 note earlier that i i think is absolutely true the um the fact that fox news is in its own at least in cable news kind of wilderness and we see this right with newsmax trying to break in there yeah. and struggling to get on uh, and we saw actually you know it, and it's it's something there's going to be a great battle in the uk coming up with a couple of new uh, networks trying to break in there and some of the lobbying already the bbc they don't want that competition in there yeah. canada with um the Sun News Network that wasn't able to be viable because it wasn't able to get on, you know, providers. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, it's a double-edged sword. If, if, if you can't force them to correct, we have a very serious problem because then there's incentive to lie. They make money on the lie. If, if they write a fake news story, they could be sitting there thinking like, look, the worst case scenario is we write a, we write a story saying Donald Trump punches a, you know, a baby goat. We're going to get 10 million views. We're going to make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if we have to retract tomorrow, it's no big deal. Because you know what? They make money on the retraction as well. Yeah. And, you, and you know, I think a broader challenge there is that I used to think one of the great solutions to this is well, we have Google News, right, that you can read around. And then I realized, well, uh, Google News seems to be providing some news outlets more equal than others. You know, it's borrowed from Orwell. And, and it's really, I mean, it's true. You know, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It, and, and I don't know why. Uh, well, I, I have my suspicions that there's an inherent bias. I actually emailed Google about this and they said, no, 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 no. Our algorithms prevent that from ever happening. Okay. I, I'm not convinced that that might be the case. So, you know, if, pe- as you say, right, people need to be able to n- not only access the news, but know 
that counterpoint exists. And people are busy, right? Yes, right. So, so the way, the problem I see is this: you hire a plumber, you know when the plumber doesn't fix your toilet, right? So you're like, hey, buddy, I need you to come in and fix the toilet. He comes in and says, your toilet's all fixed. And you're like, all right, you flush it. And then the water spills out. And you're like, it's not fixed. Right. I can see it's broken. Right. With, inf- with news, you're hoping that what they're telling you is the truth. After they come out and they say, here's your official news report on the Middle East. Go ahead and read it. You're like, I, I'm assuming it's true. Right. I just cross my fingers and hope the guy I hired to do the job is telling me the truth. And often they're not. They, they, they do clever tricks. Sometimes it's the truth, but you omit half the information. The story is very different. For instance, when Trump, the Trump slump hit and the ratings dropped, Newsmax ratings go down. CNN ratings go down. What does CNN report? Newsmax ratings collapse. Hmm. But if they told you the truth, everyone's ratings went down. The reality was people in general are just tired of news. By framing it only as Newsmax, they make it seem like Trump followers are, are losing faith or they're not interested. In reality, it had nothing to do with it. Right. That's just the manipulation. It's the framing technique. Right. No, I mean, it's, it is. And, and, you know, I do think, though, if, if we look at um, the ability of um, especially the younger generation to access, you know, the, the astuteness with which they are dealing with technology um, uh, and looking for, uh, you know, more creative, even rebellious um, kind of outlooks, that dynamic um, is only going to continue to grow. And I know that sounds kind of basic and shallow and sort of almost kind of kind of corporatist in its simplicity. But it, if you look at foreign uh, locales, for example, the, the degree to which, for example, Clubhouse is performing, uh, you know, a massive challenge to China, yeah. uh, that the census, this industrial, you know, ten, hundreds of thousands of people employed to constrain flows of information. They can't because then there's a sub clubhouse and then there's, you know, someone goes across and uses a cutout ISP and, you know, and, and <laughs> Good. certainly that, that's what we've been doing. What the U.S. was doing in Iran. I think the Biden administration has actually cut it off, the CIA program. But um, Wait, like, know, we, we were we were allowing Iranians to communicate. We were we were providing them with um, independent satellite kind of, provi- you know, Internet satellite. Uh, as I understand it, yeah, it's part of it's part of it's part of a, oh, it's, it's part of a covert action program that the Trump Jeez. administration set up. Wow, uh, I mean that seems uh, like a good thing. Yeah, it helping is. people communicate with each other and yeah, human rights as well, right? Yeah, you kind of Trump supposedly oh, well. didn't like that so much, but well, Biden must not be for human rights, I suppose. Uh, right. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm starting to have a hard time differentiating between the Onion and CNN and random YouTuber spouting who he hates. And, and, and loves like it's it's all becoming this this crap hole like just just opinion and, and like is it even far is it farce i can't even tell you know what the funny thing is the babylon b is at this point i'm i'm, I'm gonna wag my finger at it. they're not satire anymore you know they're why not. because they're actually reporting the truth but facetiously so they'll say something like um what, what, what i think that i think it was the babylon b that put this out they say um after securing peace in the Middle East, the U.S. announces they'll withdraw from Afghanistan because Joe Biden announced we're going to be withdrawing from Afghanistan in September. Hey, I'm all for that. Thank you, Joe Biden. I, I mean it. All right. No, I think he's going to just throw him right back into Syria. So, you know, we got to make sure we're, we're going to stay vigilant on this one. But I, I do think it's funny when the Babylon Bee reports a story that it is satire. They're making fun of it. But it's like basically the truth, but snarky. So that's like we're, we're in such a world of absurdity. That even now, I mean, they're, 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 look, the Biden administration is ripe for parody, especially right now. Kyle Kashev tweeted, I was told by so many people that if 
we voted for Joe Biden, everything would come back to normal and the violence would stop, you know. So so where where are we at, guys? The riots are kicking back up, everything's getting worse. It, I, it is a world of parody, man. I do I do think still and of course my accent would suggest bias here but i i'm trying to you know be objective bbc news their website um i think is still very good there there is of course bias um the analytical when they have some of the reporters doing their analysis i think the bias comes through the more but the basic nuts and bolts reporting on there uh and the ability to kind of go in different places a lot of that is informed by some of the world service stuff they do um and there are actually pretty good structured checks and balances at, at BBC. And I, I complained about a piece um, their Russian BBC News wrote about me, about a, an article I'd written a couple of years ago. And, I thought, you know, they have a two-week, um, you know, respond to complaints, goes through a process. So, of course, the counterpoint to that is, well, that is being paid for by, um, you know, the, the uh, TV license fee, which everyone right. in the UK has to pay. Has so to there's pay. a tax, yeah. you know. So, so this is not, you know. Uh, BBC is pretty good. Um, but you got to read around. I, I exactly, exactly. You got to read around because which is the, sad. You know, the, uh, it's you know pretty good doesn't mean you right. can just trust every single thing you're going to read from from right. them or from anybody. So you know when it comes to sources, they have, they have a lot of dry articles. That's a good thing. Right. When you read the news and it's like you know Donald Trump said today that he was planning on putting tariffs on this country. Joe Biden responded, you know, blah blah blah, blah. and that's just it's just that. Yeah. You're like okay, that's that's probably just you know good right, right it's when they start talking about the far right and the opinion. you know yeah it's like opinion pops the alt right the definition but here, here's the important point about the times v sullivan thing that project veritas has just won and may set precedent for years to come they you, you, i'm sure you're familiar they're suing the new york times you, you heard about that yes well they got passed the motion to dismiss which is huge i think james said only eight times in the past you know 80 years or whatever has the has a motion to dismiss been have, have people gotten past that and what the judge basically said is that, you know, well, hold on. The New York Times said these statements about Project Veritas being deceptive are unverifiable opinion and thus are not actionable. And so the judge responded, OK, well, if that was the case, then I guess a fact based news article or at least one purporting to be would have to inform its readers. This is an opinion, not assert an opinion as a fact, in which case I guess he's basically saying if you say. This article I'm about to read to you is 100% fact. Ian is a deceiver and a liar. Then the assumption is I'm saying statements of fact in a newspaper. Yeah, I I just think when we get to the Supreme Court, I I take the point that the case law is trying to, I think the judges are trying to get a little bit more nuance on this. And uh, when it gets to the Supreme Court, I think it's probably going to be, you know, eight to one uh, in favor in the New York Times. Why why do you you think so? Because I think the judiciary, and and I really, ultimately, I think it's the right course, uh, that they should the, be allowed to lie. The maximal, no, that maximal speech uh, for all its cost, lies included, uh, is advantageous over um, not so much restricted speech, but the chilling of speech. I think that is the great concern in jurisprudence and really foundational, actually, to the United States. I mean, and you look at how the contrast in English defamation law, for example, which is why, you know, we were talking earlier, I think, why we have the Qatar World Cup. It's a very mm-hmm. good case to be made for that, that the lawyers, the Sunday Times, uh, didn't report as early as they could have on the, the bribery. Um, and, you know, certainly that that, that it, it's interesting, for example, how much uh, American journalists will get um, letters from, you know, English London PR or legal firms saying this is uh, highly defamatory. Take yeah. it down. No. 
Now, now I know that's the, you know, who would Maybe disagree with that? Maybe because it is, and it's a lot of lies, and they get well, away I, with it. I, I don't think it is. I think when you're talking about Russian organized crime bosses who like to kill people, and it doesn't get reported in the British media because they have a lot of money and will take you to court, it's a good thing right. that, you know, I'm writing about that. I couldn't well, do that in England. The, and that the, matters, that stuff. The problem, then, is that they literally just make things up. Activists are dominating these newsrooms, and when... You know, the the idea works when you have a newsroom that's filled with people of, of good moral standing. You'll have a few bad people trying to lie. But when activists take over a newsroom like they did in The New York Times, and they did, several uh, employees have already resigned or been forced out or written letters about it. Then there's going to be like, awesome. Now we're going to use Times v. Sullivan to say whatever we want about whoever we want. And there's nothing they can do about it. But then it, they literally come out and say, the New York Times said in their defense, our our news article, which is purporting to be statements of fact, are actually unverifiable opinion, and the average reader doesn't know that. You know, I, I guess I, I have more confidence in the the average reader in terms of being more discriminant. I think certainly, again, this this generational shift. I mean, you look at you know your viewership, uh, the Hill, Sagar Jetty, and Crystal Ball Show. Um, you know, these new form media places are just growing exponentially, and. You know, you got to think that 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 some of these people are, um, even if they're not necessarily abandoning the, you know, they're still reading the New York Times, uh, they're reading around more or viewing around right, more, right. and and so you know, I, I do think again, at, at some point you're always going to have those people who want to hear what they want to hear, um, but you're also going to have, I think, a lot of people who um, get slightly frustrated with limited time, right? They want to be informed. You know, investigative journalism that really stands up is still the best way to generate traffic. You know, I'm, and I'm fairly optimistic. So I probably, I, I would say I agree with you more than I, than I don't. I, I may be concerned about a lot of these lies, but with Substack, with the sheer panic we're seeing in the faces of these corporate media outlets, they're, they're freaking out. Glenn Greenwald just announced that he's going to be taking on freelance writers for his Substack, mm. which is like just the other day I was saying like, man, we got to we got to see Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald start bringing on people, grow their organizations, use the Substack model to create new news outlets. He's doing it. What is Substack? It's it's just basically like uh, like a like Patreon for writing, I guess. Mm -hmm. You can set up an account, tell people you know X dollars a month, and you can see my articles. Oh, cool! And then Glenn writes his articles as he's always done. And people will toss them a couple bucks a month to do yeah, so. Love it. I mean, think about it. You get 10,000 um, uh, true fans, just 10,000 at 10 bucks a month. You're making a million and bucks. And then Substack takes a cut? Right now, I think Substack is actually taking most of the money, but they're writing huge advance checks to basically kickstart the careers or, or I should say the, the – the, you know, right now, there are some people who have like 1,000 or 2,000 paying subscribers. It's it's enough for maybe a younger person, someone who's older with a family, like especially a prominent writer, is going to be like, I'm going to be losing a lot of money, cutting my salary in half to do this. So, that, so you know, they're announcing, okay, we'll give you half a million dollars for two years, which is huge. And then after the two years is up, we revert the subscriptions back to you, and we get you know 10 percent or something. Interesting. Hey, yeah, and, and we do see with you know with like Twitchy with, with gaming, the degree to which people. Are, are even not not for influence, which is I think quite refreshing. But um, and the same is true with Substack, uh, or at least with Patreon. I'm not sure if it is true with Substack. Are willing to you know pay more for that extra tier, right? To me, engage. Maybe it's a, a phone call, uh, you know, a video conference, whatever. And it's it's not kind of editorial pressure, right? That a, that a company that is you know buying millions of dollars of ads, um, you know, so there's that kind of fresher investment 
portfolio that goes with that. Yeah. And it's also interesting. You think about like Matt Iglesias, right, from Vox. Yeah, you know, yeah Vox yeah. was that kind of fresh startup, and he sort of left there and is doing his subs. So there's this That's constant great. revolutionary uh, dynamic in media, which you know I, you got to think is positive. This is a great thing um, because what a lot of these people are realizing too. Some of these people have 300, 400,000 followers on Twitter, mm-hmm. and now they're seeing someone with only a thousand fans, but real fans paying ten bucks a month. These people are now making a six-figure salary, and these people on Twitter are like, "Wait, you're right. getting paid? Right. I got hundreds of thousands of people. I'm not getting any money." Right. You got some people who work. You know, they got hundreds of thousands of followers. They go and work for CNN. What are they getting paid? A six-figure salary, probably decent. And they're thinking like, if I got ten thousand of my followers to pay ten bucks a month, I'd be a millionaire. So they're going to start leaving these companies. They're going to cut off that editorial oversight. And this guy who says this is what CNN does, we propagandize to help Trump to help you know to make Trump lose. People are going to leave, and they're not going to be involved in that anymore. And they're going to be like, I can write about whatever I want. And then they're going to start. Well, a lot of people will just write tribal garbage because you know a lot of people are just tribal garbage. But uh, a lot of people are going to write what they feel like writing. And I think this is good because it's going to diversify opinions in a lot of ways. And then we're going to watch these these news outlets just. Yep. And then they will be connected through the Confediverse. Confediverse? Yeah. Why are you calling it the Confederate? We're going to confederate, basically, so that we all interoperate. Rather That's a than... very poor choice. Of word. <laughs> well, rather than it being a Fediverse where it's top down, I don't know, whatever, call whatever we want. I think MetaNet's another federation. Cool the it's federation a of uh, like federation speakers. is cool. Basically, like Star Trek. Right, you right, need right. confederacy in this the, game. Ian. These companies that are like confederate, you know, like <laughs> siphoning off the value of their workers that are like, come work for me, and I'll I'll recoup the ad revenue and then pay you a salary. I, I, That's I, going I, away. I, I get it. I get it. But just for branding, let's try and go like Star Trek, <laughs> the, you know, the Federation of Planets. United Federation of Planets. Yeah, yeah, instead of the Confederacy, you know what I mean? I don't mean? even know. What's the difference between a Confederacy and a Federacy? I think a Confederacy is within a um, – uh, that a unitary political structure at the top, whereas a Federation is um, many different – so the Confederacy has one, you know, president, uh, and the Federation is a sort of council – but I may have got that totally wrong. So Maybe I'll, just shut up. I'll just shut up. It might be the other way around. Yeah, it might be the other way around, actually. Okay. Yeah, the fe- like a, like the federal government, the, you know. But I don't that know. Would... I don't know. I think, my, honestly, it might be like that, You're probably right, actually. Flammable and inflammable. Con yeah. just means with. So with federation, that's con. Flammable and inflammable. Beware. It means the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah there's... There you go. It's just branding. It's just branding. Right, right. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, you want to you want to be like the sci-fi future of awesome or Do you want to sound like those guys now? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> so we just had branding. an exercise there in, in being being wary of a British accent being the deliverer <laughs> of intellectual analysis. <laughs> we, we've been working on this Fediverse project, and I mean, I think writers are going that way too. It's it's not only going to be video makers; it's going to be all the oh, all I want to put Substack out of business. Yeah, exactly. So listen to this: you write for Substack. You know, these people are making six figures, and it's fantastic. But Substack wants to take ten percent. The hosting cost of an article is nothing. The hosting cost of a video is substanti- substantial. So you got – look, if, if you're somebody who makes videos for YouTube, I understand why you want to use YouTube because uploading videos – this live stream, my friends, those, those of you who are listening to this, we're live right now on YouTube. This would be so insanely expensive. You know, 32,000 plus viewers. You know, we sometimes reach 50 or even 60. We've had over 100 in some episodes. I've calculated those costs with with business to business companies in the past, and that's going to cost you thousands of dollars per minute or hour. Like it's just gnarly the, the, the data cost because you got to understand this: the transmission of a high definition broadcast two megabits per second going up and then going out to you know forty thousand people. So multiply your your bandwidth and like woo, 
So you use YouTube. YouTube subsidizes these costs. Substack, though, you write an article. It's text. It's like it, it's, there's no data at all, basically. It's a tiny file. So what are you paying Substack 10% for? So we want to make this project. We're, we're, we're actually working on it. Ian spearheading it. Where you can download this open source package for your own website that turns your website into your own privately owned subscription service platform, just like a regular website with a membership option. But it's like one click and boom, you're done. That also networks you with all the other websites that use the same software. So effectively, you won't need to go to Substack or Patreon or any of these other subscription services because now someone could own their own website and keep 100% of the revenue that comes in with open source free software. Right. That's the mission. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, like we'll, it. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, a, it's, a, I don't, I wouldn't say it's too ambitious. No. It's not particularly complicated. No, it's, it's going to happen regardless. We're just helping it along. And this is going to help decentralize the news media. It's going to help decentralize commentary. It's going to protect people who would have their income destroyed by a subscription service that says, well, you're offensive and we don't want you on our platform. All right. Well, now it's your own website. You still got to deal with your hosting provider, you know, your, who's running your servers, where you get your domain names from. You still got to follow their rules. There's still some your you know, payment processor. I think in the future, right. we'll be able to find workarounds for every, all of those things. And one open source package that covers everything. Yeah, man. Simplicity and control are good combinations for yeah, well, respective creators. Then they? people will be allowed to express themselves honestly and without uh, manipulation and uh, without fear of getting canceled. Nice. That's the plan. Let's jump to this next story, though, because, uh, you know, we went a little long on that one, but I thought it was worth talking about because yeah. the media is trash. Yeah, and I forced <laughs> a, uh, my daily shout out to the Fediverse. Rock yes. and roll. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, the Fediverse is a ton of, like, Mastodon Dude, is particularly exciting. lefty. But it's a protocol that you can't do anything about it. Check this out. You guys have heard there are riots going on. We got the story from ABC5 Eyewitness News. Sources say Washington County Attorney's Office expected to charge officer in Brooklyn Center shooting on Wednesday. So this is this woman. Her name is uh, Kim Potter. The case was sent to the Washington County Attorney's Office to avoid a conflict of interest with the Hennepin County Attorney's Office, which works closely with Brooklyn Center's police on criminal cases. The extent of the charges will be learned tomorrow. Brooklyn Center Police released body camera video that shows Officer Potter shooting and killing 20-year-old Dante Wright Sunday afternoon. Brooklyn Center's former police chief, Tim Gannon, he, the police chief resigned today. This is wow. nuts. The city's, yeah. like, the whole area is just falling apart. Stated he believed Potter accidentally discharged her weapon, believing she was using her taser and not her gun. Potter and Gannon resigned from Brooklyn Center Police Department on Tuesday. And you know what? I can't speak too much for this, this officer, Kim Potter. She shot somebody. Cops, look, I don't care who you are. You're responsible for what comes out of your gun. That's just basic, you know, gun responsibility. I understand it wasn't intentional, or at least it's what they're claiming. We'll see how this investigation goes. But for the police chief to resign, I'm like, I'm giving applauses. Yeah. yeah. Bravo. I think every single cop in the in the in the Twin Cities area and suburbs, they should all right now turn in their badges and walk away. Why? They should all resign. All of them right now, right at once. You must be joking. I am not. I mean it. Why do you think they should resign? Well, because these leftists have demanded the police be abolished. I think uh, the police say, okay, I think, yes, absolutely. Right. Police, you're not wanted here. The activists have said no, so. The logic oozes out there of you. Go. You know what the issue is? Where are the regular people standing up and saying, no, don't do this? When the police were under threat last year, when the riots were sweeping across this, the, the, the state and these cities, the police were scapegoated, were insulted, berated over, over the actions of a few. I'm not a big fan of the police as a whole. I think they need reform. But I understand individuals, many of these cops, they're good people. They're not trying to get in between and get in politics. 
there's some real risk with trying to neutrally enforce the law when you've got some people saying you got to do one thing, some people saying you got to do the other thing, and then accidents happen. Some cops are really bad people. They should be held accountable. But we need police. We, a civil society requires police to be able to make arrests. This guy, Dante Wright, he was wanted now they're reporting an aggravated robbery. So that was his warrant. Like, okay, that's a legit crime. Mm. Don't resist. If the cops are arresting you, you fight it in court. And he, he decided to jump in his car and, and, and scuffle it out with the cops. These cops are being treated like trash. So I say they show all of these people. They, 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 they tell the people of, you know, where they live. If you won't, if people here won't stand up for us, if people here aren't willing to do what it takes to empower the police to protect them, they must not want them there. So here's what I see. The loudest, the squeaky wheel are those who riot saying abolish the police. Rashida Tlaib, what did she say? No more policing. No more. Get them out of there. And the cops stand defiant and say, we will not stand for this. But I mean, we've been seeing even conservatives throw Blue Lives Matter flags in the dirt and step on it because the cops were enforcing these unconstitutional lockdowns. Right now, what we need are the regular people to prove that they actually want the police. If they won't do that, then as far as I'm concerned, the vote's in. But how do they do that? Stand up, go outside, protest, hold big rallies and say, we support our police. They won't do it, though. They, they will not do it. Says to me, they don't care. I really, really think most people don't care about any of this. And so my point is, what do you think will happen if the police say, blue flu, we're all sick? It will take 10 seconds for the people of these cities to call the officers personally and say, please, I beg of you, come back. Or the department will hire a bunch of scabs and the, the crap officers will, will come in and do really crappy jobs and be violent and even worse. What do you think is happening already? Is that happening? all the good cops? I should say all of them, but many of the good cops quit last year yeah. in Seattle, in Portland and in Minneapolis. We saw across the country in Exodus. The good cops were the ones saying, I will not be abused. I will not be a party to this. And I will not stand by while the D.A., the prosecutors allow rioters to destroy these cities and they do nothing when we arrest them. I'm done. You got it. They voted for this. They had an election and they voted for this. So at this point, I'm dumbfounded as the police who think they're going to be accept what they're doing is acceptable in a community that absolutely despises them. I, I also think that we have to be careful here, though, because I think the very best cops stay for all this in, in the same way that some of the very best you know, members of the military or whatever professional branch under pressure, nurses, um, you know, that the, a sense of duty, which is kind of antithetical to, to some of the contemporary you know, discourse, but but people who truly believe that, that kinship of service uh, of going out there and still doing it um, whether for religious reasons just moral reasons um, you know I, I, I agree that at the political level I agree with you I'm surprised that frankly the Republican Party hasn't been more aggressive in terms of saying hey look body cameras zero sum game let's get those body cameras everyone right it's great good cops love it great evidence yep. okay what's the worst that happens they get, you know, locker room talk is caught in the car. Yep. But most of us in society think if this, okay, fine. Um, but, but at the level of, you know, again, Rashida Tlaib, right, who is held up as uh, by the media will say on one hand, well, she doesn't represent the Democratic Party. On the other hand, this great sort of new visionary for the party, you know, having the cake and eating it. Yeah. You know, this is pretty wacko stuff. Uh, yeah. The big issue is that these cops will arrest these extremists, the rioters, the looters. And then the DA will say, you're free to go and release yeah. them without charge. A bunch of felony charges in Portland got dropped. 
And these cops are like, well, I'll just keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. Or I guess some of the cops are probably like, well, I know they're not going to jail, but I sure love bashing skulls. I can't, I can't imagine. So let me, let me slow down for a minute. State police who were brought in to Portland retreated saying, we arrest these people and the prosecutors let them go. We're done. We're not doing this anymore. And I'm like, thank you. That makes sense. And then what happened was the DHS uh, deputized state police as federal uh, law enforcement so that when the state police arrested someone, the federal prosecutors could step in. Brilliant. No escalation of force, no military coming in. And now these people were getting prosecuted. And you know what happened? Many of the activists ran scared. They started, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't call them activists. Activists are great. These are extremists and terrorists. They started panicking, writing blogs saying, the FBI showed up to my house. The FBI showed up to my friend's house. This is not a game anymore. The cost for the extremists when they burn down buildings is much too low. They're risking people's lives. There was active gunfire the other night in, in, in the Minneapolis area. And the cost for these people is zero. In Portland, what happened to those guys who fired hundreds of rounds from rifles into an SUV with two teenagers killing them? The cost was nothing. And these extremists know it. They can go out, they can burn things down, and nothing will happen. Well, the cost is cop will jam you up. But don't worry, your good buddy in the DA will cut you loose in two seconds, and the cops will just shrug. The cops need to be like, eh, I'm not going to do it. You do it. I also think one of the great tragic you know, ironies here is that you know the Black Lives Matter movement um, you know, trying to address, you know, real issues. Uh, at the same time, the utter unwillingness to face up to the fact that we talk about what do police officers do, for example. We've seen it, right, in the in the summer crime waves, Baltimore, uh, Chicago. Uh, there was a Baltimore Sun co- columnist who wrote a great piece on this, I think, you know, a year ago. The cops s- stop doing their job, right? That they that I am not going to un- entertain this personal risk to me, this liability, vilification, in case I get it wrong. And what is the consequence of that? Well, in some of these areas, in many of these cities where the predominant homicide issue is young black men killing other young black men, more young black men die. And and, and, and as a society, then when we have Rashida Tlaib saying this, does she seriously care about the, the interest <laughs> she's talking about? The no. facts would suggest, I would say forensically, that she does not. Uh, and, and making that case, you know, you would think there would be opportunities here for, for you know, young Republican mayors, independent mayors to run and say, hey, we are going to have accountability on the part of the police. Again, that body camera issue, um, you know, very well funded uh, internal affairs departments. But at the same time, we're going to go out and try and stop criminality. Uh, and there's a racism in the sense that people wouldn't want that. You know, of course, most people want to be able to live their lives in safety. You, t- you take a look at what the left tends to care about, what the media tends to report on. And it's getting just so obvious. It's mind numbing. You know, there was there's a, a viral tweet. I can't remember who it's from, so forgive me. But they were saying something like, the media actually, you know, sorts through all the different news stories, trying to find the one story that would cause the most hate and division that will get them traffic and get them clicks to their website. And that fuels all of this. Then you end up with a bunch of young people who are deranged. I mean, there's a video. I don't know if you guys have seen it where it's this guy with no shirt on, on the ground, just screaming and crying, Black Lives Matter, like at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, this man needs to turn Twitter off, turn off the TV, like go see a movie, Work go out. go watch Birds of, Birds of Prey. Maybe he'll like that one, okay? And then he'll just like, <laughs> calm down, dude. The world is not ending. Things are not worse than they've ever been. But these people have genuinely gone nuts. And then from this, you get people pandering to them. 
the politicians, people like Rashida Tlaib step up and they say something like, I'm going to say something mindless and insane and hope that someone votes for me because of it. And then the whole system just decays. What is this? I'm looking at this Tlaib quote that, that police should be abolished because this is from Daily Mail. Because force is intentionally racist. This is the quote. Intentionally racist and cannot be reformed. Force is intentionally racist and cannot thing. be reformed. All police, force is like a scientific phrase. It's not. It's 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 right. a mechanical function. Well, so so Rashida Tlaib, in response to all of this, tweeted, "It wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist." Dante Wright was met with aggression and violence. I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Okay. Whoa. Let's take two seconds here. First, it was initially reported that this guy, Dante Wright, was wanted on a misdemeanor gun charge. And apparently he got stopped. They found out he had a gun. He fled. Now, when I heard that, I was like, sounds to me like his only crime was the non-crime of enjoying a Second Amendment rights. If that's the case, then this is absolutely wrong. However, even if it was, in my opinion, an unjustified and unconstitutional act, you don't resist the police. When they come to arrest you, 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 you have the privilege of a trial to defend yourself and actually fight for others in the process because the precedent set by your cases could help others in the future. Instead, he fought with the cops. He dove into the car. They, they knew he was on a weapons charge. He had a Ruger 45. He ended up getting shot and killed. And it's a tragic story. I wish it didn't happen, but come on. The cops need to be able to make arrests. The cops don't know who this guy is or what his story is. They don't know if he's a good guy, a bad guy. They don't, all they know is we got a warrant. But now it turns out it was it was an aggravated robbery charge. So this warrant was actually like this guy strangled a woman and demanded $800 from her at gunpoint. <laughs> okay, hold on a minute. It's a little different. Yeah, he, he probably should be arrested for that. And he resisted and tried running away. We have the story actually from the New York Post. They say Dante Wright had an open warrant related to an armed robbery against him when he was shot dead Sunday. Wright, 20, and another man had been charged with first-degree attempted aggravated robbery in December 2019 for allegedly trying to steal $820 from a woman at gunpoint, according to Henneman County District Court documents. The pair had crashed at the victim's home, crashed the victim's home in the city of Osseo after attending a party there, then demanded money the next morning while flashing a gun, authorities said in court papers. Give me the effing money. I'm not playing around, Wright told the woman according to prosecutors. The victim refused and began screaming for both men to leave records show. Give me the money and we will leave. Wright allegedly told her, give me the money and we will go. The two men eventually left the home without any dough, according to documents. Wright was later arrested in the case and released on $100,000 bail, but he violated his bail conditions in July when he failed to stay in touch with his court monitor, the paper said. According to the Daily Mail, he was also in possession of a gun at some point after his arrest for the robbery which was also in violation of the condition of his bail release. So apparently that case was actually derivative of the fact that he tried shaking someone. He tried arm, an armed robbery. Hmm. Now, Rashida Tlaib, here's what she, you got to think about what she's saying now in this context, the, the, the sheer absurdity of this. It wasn't an accident. It clearly was an accident. I, I tweeted the cop should go to jail because two things. You're responsible for what comes out of your gun. This was a negligent shooting. Right. It wasn't an accident. She was reaching for a weapon. She was intending to cause harm. She wasn't intending to kill him. Not murder, but negligence. Also, these police in the area need to, at this, how do they not realize the, the ramifications, the political consequences of what they're doing, defending what's going on right now? If they genuinely believe Chauvin should, was just doing his job and these cops are being unjustly prosecuted, morale is low, shouldn't they stand up for themselves? So I, I, I have very little empathy, if any, for people who are like, 
Uh, I know they're going to throw someone under the bus, but I'm going to say nothing and then I'll be fine. Even after saying that, I still recognize the shooting was not intentional. I still recognize this guy broke the law and was resisting. I still recognize the altercation could have been avoided. It was the actions of the individual being pulled over. Cops got to do their job. And Rashid Tlaib is saying no more policing. Okay. No more policing. Right. And, 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 you know, I think as well that the, the, the circumstances that you identify there certainly will be used at the trial, right? If, if charges, if they try and upcharge beyond, uh, negligent manslaughter, right? Because that speaks to the circumstances that police officers face them in, right? When the dispatcher says go to this call, it's going to be, you know, proceed with caution, armed, dangerous, you know, um, reasonable suspicion to believe that, actually probable cause in this case, that, that they're, this person's capable of violence and the officer would say okay i have fear that's why i didn't think properly but i do think the broader point in terms of the political discourse you know as you suggest has been heavily weighted i just i guess i'm more i do think there is again this this sort of silent majority yes needs to be more uh, visible both at a political level and at a populist level um but again it's the say it's the silent trump voter again right that the, the, the most people think this is totally choose profanity you know profanity of choice yeah, yeah. um it, it it is interesting though that we don't hold rashida Tlaib in the same kind of disdain that we would if you know donald trump well, you know some of the things that president trump has tweeted for example uh you know th- this is really this is kind of ufo you know out of space stuff yeah, except yeah. ufos are actually serious you know you know you know what I, will, I will say in terms of, you know, saying the, the cops should be arrested, my, my bigger issue that, that infuriates me with everything are, is that there are people who will privately say to you, I'm so upset with what's going on. And then you're like, all right, will you stand up with me? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Heavens, no. I won't take any risk. It's like, you know, I, I've always uh, I've always respected the idea that, you know, back in the day in these wars, the leader would be on a horse and he would charge in with his men and lead them into battle. Now you've got people who are like, yes, look at all these problems. Oh, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to get canceled. You do it for me. So when I see these cops sitting back while other cops are being demonized and villainized, thinking like, meh, what do I care? I won't speak up. I won't stand up. I won't resign. I won't protest this. I'm like, okay, if you won't defend others who have been put in these positions, I'm not going to defend you. I think this lady should go to prison. I think she should. I hope the system comes for her for all it's worth. Chauvin, as we're now learning, it's not so, so, so clear cut exactly what happened and why Floyd lost his life. And they're trying to charge him with second degree murder. Now, manslaughter might make sense. There's an argument for there. In fact, the state may have actually convinced the jury of that. We'll see what happens. The defense is arguing tomorrow and Thursday. And then I think they're off Friday and then deliberations begin. But murder two and three are insane. The fact that the system charged him with this in the first place was nuts. He's probably going to get quit on that charge. There's probably going to be riots. I, Keith I, Ellison, right? Right. Hyperpolitical. Exactly. Looking for his own future aspirations at the expense of the law. But I, 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 what bothers me is that there were a lot of good cops who walked when this went down. And they said, if you're going to play this game, I won't be a part of it. And I applaud those cops because those are the good cops. Some of them are probably actually bad people, but they're willing to stand up at least for themselves now, this cop just seems like another one of these people who thinks that as the world is burning down around them, they can say nothing and do nothing and they'll be fine. It won't come for them. 
I talk about this all the time with like the wokeness, the critical race theory stuff, where people are like, I know it's bad, but as long as I keep my head down, I'll be fine. And no, you won't. If, if this really is as bad as people think it is, eventually it will come for you and there's no escaping it. Your best chance now is to speak up. Otherwise, there will be no one left to speak up for you. Now she's been involved in this. The political system is dominated by these activists. The city manager got fired for calling for due process. And I'm just like, well, I mean, you knew this was going to happen. Right. You knew it's what they called for last year. You knew they literally voted to abolish the police one town over 10 miles from you. Why should I have, why should I have sympathy for this? It, it, a, lot of, a lot of people I know, a lot of good people I've talked to in the Minnesota and Minneapolis area have straight up said, yeah, we're moving. We're leaving. Right. We won't be a part of this. We won't let our tax dollars fund this. And then a bunch of people just shrugged it off and said, oh, whatever. Okay, well, now you get to be chauvin. But I do think, that, you know, again, this stuff does hit a I, – I agree with you in the broad need to identify, to, to call out that, you know, the cancel culture, you know, the, the fake wokery, whatever. Um, but it, it, at the point of paying taxes, as you suggest, I think a lot of people are like, enough. Because the, especially on these policing matters, it's not simply the matter of taxes – it's taxes for, you know, an exigent interest, right? Protection of self and family. Uh, and when you combine those two factors, you know, I do think we will, I mean, this is just going to be a developing trend. It's also, I think, at the political level, ultimately why the Rashida Tlaib crowd uh, is going to lose. But ultimately, lose? ultimate, ultimate, yeah, sure. I mean, well, look, President Trump really nearly won, right? And I, and I, I, I do agree with you. I do. That, that they'll, they'll end up losing. Yeah. It just, the problem is, it's not going to happen until there's widespread violence and destruction on a scale that we will regret. I'm sure many people are upset about what happened last year with the George Floyd riots. Regret is a hard word to use because it caught everyone off guard. And now we're looking back at it like, okay, how do we stop this? Anger, you know, for the people who rioted and looted. Now we have an option. We have a chance. Are we going to stand up and do something before it's too late? Apparently the answer is no. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about this. People who are watching the show understand what's going on. But too many regular people have been ignoring this. The cops in Brooklyn Center thought they would be allowed to get past the, the lunatic woke outrage mob. They thought they would be safe. Are you kidding me? Right. Your, your, your fellow officers are going down in flames and being sacrificed at the woke altar. And you did nothing. You said nothing. You said, eh, I'll be fine. Well, now you're not fine. So that, 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 these cops have a chance. If they all resign today... By tomorrow, the police would be totally funded. They'd have better training. Much of these problems would be solved. They'd be better equipped. They'd be safer. The problem isn't that police have too much funding. It's that they have too little funding. We are asking people, and, and, and these activists don't remember this, these cops are human beings to go into situations where people want to kill them. We've seen the videos. They're scary videos where someone reaches into their car. We saw the guy in, 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 in Wisconsin, in Kenosha. When he was going to his car, he grabbed the knife and the cop shot him. And then they riot in that city. Apparently that cop is back on duty, actually, because I don't think he did anything wrong. Like someone grabbed the knife. This guy had assaulted a woman. These people don't realize this about these cops, that these, they're not vicious and depraved murderers. And many of these people are psychologically damaged after being involved in these shootings. I mean, this woman, I really do believe she accidentally shot this guy, Dante. She went, holy ass, I just shot him. I don't think she meant to do that. I'm sure she's been crying nonstop, right. like mentally just fractured because of this. So with respect, I'm not trying to be mean. If the police right now said to the people, we have been dealing with riots nonstop for a year, we have begged for your support, and instead all we have gotten was defunded, insulted, demoralized, abolished, and scapegoated, the city is all yours. I think the moral way to do it, though, would be to give, you know, a period of notice, 30 days, 
because then, cause then <laughs> yes. you can balance. Because that's actually, then, that's because, actually much better. Because then at least, you know, when you do it, say, hey, we, it's not, <laughs> this is now the political responsibility, right? The crimes that happen in that window of absent policing. Uh, but, but, you know, I also think as well the delusion, right? That, that, that anyone who says like Rashida Tlaib, you know, policing, get rid of it. Incarceration doesn't work. Great. You know, it, these are not people who have been exposed to criminality, right? right? right. Police officers, you know, the, the, anyone who knows anyone who's been to prison, uh, I think would come out and say that there are a lot of people in there who had really a bad start to life. Uh, could they have been diverted? Um, there are also a lot of people who are really not nice people. Yeah. And, and when we're talking not nice, we're like, you know, really not nice. And, and, and so police officers dealing with that every day. Um, one of the things I found interesting is, is like, in some ways, British humor is very similar to like American police humor. It's very dark. And I think part <laughs> of the translate, and it does, British humor doesn't sometimes translate in the United States. And I think part of the reason police officers, or a big reason is that, you know, you, you're just dealing every day with tragic circumstances. You're doing a lot of good, but you're also dealing with really unpleasant people. Yeah. And that takes a toll. Do you, did you hear about the, the, the cash bail thing in New York where they're, they, they want to get rid of it? Or they, they, they get, they got rid of it. I'm sorry. I, 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 I actually didn't know. So, uh, earlier in the year, like last year, they, there was this bill where they said basically if you're arrested for a certain, you know, certain nonviolent crimes. Oh, misdemeanor at the level. Yeah. yeah right, you, right. you will be. Order released. Order, right. So no bail. Because, and, and, and here's the challenge, man. I don't like the idea of charging people money to get out of jail. Right. To wait. Because innocent until proven guilty. It's better that the guilty escape than, you know, innocent suffer, all that stuff, Blackstone's formulation. But there was apparently one guy who got arrested several times and kept getting released. And it, apparently in a quote, he was laughing. He was like, y'all caught me doing it and let me go. Right. Mm. It's like, we have to. It's the Constitution. But some people are bad people and we know it. Right. And it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's tough to deal with these people while maintaining constitutional rights. But there is an interesting issue here as well that, that you know, one of the controversies for some is that the police, uh, that judges are elected here, right, at a, a local level. Yeah. And, and, you know, I do think there can be a cost to that, 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 the reflex can be more punitive sometimes for certain crimes, but the benefit is that you can avoid a situation, for example, uh, that exists uh, in, in much of Europe, certainly in the UK, in Britain, uh, where um, the cops are arresting people and they've got a rap sheet that is just pages and pages long, and the the judges are still sort of you know yep. ninety day community service centres. And how that not simply the the un, the immorality of that in a democratic society. Um, but also how that corrodes the public trust, which the, pu the public ultimately in a democracy must be the guardians, right, or must be the masters, how they have no, essentially, you know, the judiciary is separate to the, separate to the political um, branch, uh, but there's no input, right? That they, they just simply see, exactly. and people eventually just like, they lose faith. This is, this is the system. The system is supposed to work because of judges, because a judge can look at a person and say, you committed, you're accused of this crime. What say you? And the person says, Your Honor, I beg of you. I have to work my job and be with my kids. I will be in court. And the judge can be like, Okay, let's set, let's set some conditions that aren't cash because you can't afford it, where we can ensure you will come to work. How about house arrest, but with a provision for you to go to work? Right. Instead, I've seen these videos where the judge is like, Your bail is set as a thousand dollars. Your Honor, I, I, I watched this video. It was, it was maddening. The guy's like. Your Honor, please, please, I have to go to, I have to be with my family. I have to work my job. I'll lose my job if I'm in jail. And he goes, I said $1,000, bang. And I'm like, that to me doesn't work. 
because now maybe in this instance, the guy actually was a bad dude who was just trying to pull a fast one. But then you have the inverse where you just mentioned in New York, it's like, your, your honor, we arrested this guy. All right. I understand the cashless bail thing, but like, here's his rap sheet. He's been convicted of seven crimes in the past. Can we at least hold this guy? No, free to go. Right. The judges are supposed to be interpreting this better. And I feel like too often we don't get it. We get, but maybe, maybe, this, maybe it's because there's no real simple answer. Maybe we're going to learn about the harsh cases and the lax cases. Maybe the reality is, you know, there's good judges in the middle who find that middle ground. And, that, and, and all this, right? It's the same thing in San Francisco, right? That they, they were not arresting, you know, certain things would be treated misdemeanor, stealing from a car, you know, non-violent. From a store. Right, right, right. And, and and actually, that's a much better example. You, you look at um, you know the, the the kind of woke element, the left, right, and it's easy. It's much easier to become part of the woke crowd and, and wave than it is to be like you know kind of Larry David out of Kirby enthusiasm and be like eh, you know <laughs> like it's okay for them, right? Because they can go to the apartment building that has a concierge and an underground garage. But that small business owner or that you know person who doesn't have you know has to park their car on the street. That working class, lower income person, they're the ones who are suffering the most here. It's not yeah. the people who are pushing this the most. But again, I just think there is a political opportunity here that that uh, we have to believe will be taken advantage of. Well, I'll tell you who is benefiting the most. For one, it's these woke, absurd politicians who give us mindless platitudes and ridiculous statements of no more police. That'll solve the problem. Rashida Tlaib, I agree. Let's get rid of all the police right now. Uh, how about we do this? I think your idea was better. Give notice. Let's have every cop in the country say, right. all right, in 30 days, we won't be working. You know why? They're giving a heads up to the criminals as well as the regular citizens. They may as well announce the purge is going to be yes. a real thing because <laughs> right. all the criminals are going to be like, Ooh, 30 days, it's on, baby. But I'll tell you who else is making money. These activists who claim to fight for this stuff, they're cashing out. I think a lot of people have seen the story already. This Black Lives Matter leader apparently bought a, a massive mansion and a bunch of other moderately priced and, and well, actually, they're fairly expensive homes. So this BM, this Black Lives Matter lady, I guess she has, what, like three homes that are like 400 to 500K? Yeah. And then one that's 1.4 yeah. million? Yeah. That's really good for a Marxist. <laughs> Multiple properties, kind of like, you know, kind of like socialist Bernie Sanders. He's got, mm. what, three homes? Hey, good for him. I'm glad they've been able to successfully capitalize on socialism. So we have this story from the post-millennial. Black Lives Matter... I guess activist says story about co-founders. Oh, Black, Black Lives Matter says this. Yeah. Story about co-founders new multi-million dollar home are fueled by white supremacy. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that explains everything. Right. Oh. Marxists are allowed to have multiple properties. One that's $1.4 million. They're allowed to. That's normal for Marxists, mm. landlords and property owners and, you know. I mean, just, but it is in the kind of finest, uh, in the know, more Soviet practical. tradition, right? <laughs> you have your, your dashers and you have your dakas, actually, uh, and you have your kind of access to the, you know, the super highway lane and uh, there's nothing new to, I mean, it's so obvious for what it is. Um, what's, I think what is, I mean, there, there you have, right? A great example of just, the, the absurdity of the kind of woke thing that 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 is white supremacist that everything is white supremacist mm-hmm. um and it does it is i mean literally we are now living in a you know curb your enthusiasm sketch and 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 you know <clears throat> i actually saw it at interview it was a few years ago actually with larry david and he was saying oh you know we do have a lot of like conservative viewers watch the show and he's like it's kind of interesting it's like yeah well because <laughs> reality is becoming that show you know yeah. that it's that ridiculous I mean, I do, it is interesting though that you don't see 
that many people on the kind of i guess like bill maher does talk about this a, a bit you know the, the absurdity of it but it's kind of funny how the crowd nervously laughs and, and yeah. the guests feel, what's more interesting how these high profile guests feel more of an impulse to be like well bill you know. Do you see that that lady? Who was that lady? She called Gina Carano a white supremacist or a Nazi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Former senator. Yeah, whoever she was. She was like, well, you know. She's, she's Heidi Heitkamp, right? Yeah, yeah, North, yeah. North, yeah. North Dakota. Was. And yeah. Bill Maher right. yes. barely pushed back at all. Right. Yeah. Like, I, you know, if someone said that here, I'd be like, that's not true. You're lying. Right. Like, no, no we're not playing that game. Literally that's not, not true. true. And, it, and it's funny because I say this about Enrique Tarrio, the, the chairman of the Proud Boys, literally a black dude. Right. And they're like, he's a white supremacist. I'm like, no, he's not. No, he's, he's he's literally black. And Proud Boys have multiracial. You can criticize the Proud Boys for a lot sure, of things. Yeah. <laughs> Just criticize them for the things that are true. Right. Instead, they lie. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, you're not. I'm not going to play that game. Bill Maher should have come out and 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 been much more uh, yeah. harsh to this, this woman. He's like, she's not. Uh, uh, is she really? And then he goes, well, you know, definitions change. Is that it? I, I also think part of the interesting thing here is, you know, it's like, you know, this person's a Nazi, whatever. And I find, you know, my British grand, my American grandfather was Pacific Marine, still around, 96, which is great. Um, and my British grandfather was a RAF bomber command pilot. And so there's a lot of debate, morally right, bombing German cities. But, you know, you study the Nazis. I studied a lot of about amateur Arab, but, but read a lot about them. It, it is kind of amusing with the American, like, woke left talking Nazi white supremacy because they really haven't read. How many of them have read Mein Kampf? How many of them have engaged seriously with the literature to understand? Because it is a profoundly well, unpleasant ideology. But, but simplifying it is not a good idea. Well, hold on. I think many of them are, in fact, familiar with it because, as we know, James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, and Peter Bogosian – altered a portion of Minecraft into feminist ideology instead, and it got published in a scientific journal. So they've certainly read some of the... Uh, uh, I, I, I think, to be fair, there's some heavy criticism of that, but the general idea was the intention and the targeting of groups was what they poured it over. And then someone accused them, like, all they did was use the non-proper nouns because the proper nouns were changed. And I'm like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Right. Like when he's like, this group is evil and we're the best and here's our plan, and you just change the name of the group. That's kind of the point. Yeah. So these people that look, they're they're all about power. Power. You know, the, the the Black Lives Matter organization is basically saying we don't pay her. She's not getting paid by us. It's fake news. Um, that's not the news. The news is that a prominent Black Lives Matter activist owns multiple homes and a very expensive one. It's not. I, I guess maybe some people infer or assume that she's making money from Black Lives Matter. I didn't assume that. I just thought these people were hypocrites claiming Doesn't to matter. fight for the common people when actually they're just rich people because I've seen it time and time again. Al Sharpton is the most ludicrous personality in this regard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's quite astonishing, actually, that, you know, you saw that it was a few years ago that he needs his first class, you know, seat to go to his speaking gigs and he always turns up and then he disappears. Uh, I think Michael Brown's family were talking about this, how they felt they'd been. And, and it is just, I mean, the cost of it is just quite quite astonishing right that they have uh, we actually had an incident where i live in washington and i, I don't want to be too specific because it'll seem like i'm using it for my own but but uh, a 19 year old black guy was shot and killed and no one you know, the reaction of people on the street who were very much you know defund the police signs yeah on that night uh was you know they weren't terribly interested uh, as he was calling for help and, 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 and there's more to it that but but there is a lot of um again enter profanity of choice that is really not just pathetic but pretty outrageous in the sense that these are people you know people dying right I, and we I, should want solutions that mitigate that you know you know what i've been kind of pissed off about 
I hear this a lot from a lot of conservatives. They'll say, you know, the Black Lives Matter people don't seem to care about, you know, inner city youth or what's going on in Chicago and Chirac, right? How come they don't protest and demand justice for the black lives in Chicago who are victims of this crime all the time? I hear that a lot. Now, I've met some people who do focus on that, and they're smaller community community activists, but definitely the high-profile grifters make their quick buck off pushing this institutional racism mm-hmm. narrative. I got a similar complaint, though. Where are the gun rights advocacy groups and conservatives going into the same neighborhoods and providing legal defense for the young black men whose only crime was possession of a firearm, right. which the Second Amendment says you're allowed to do? It, no, it's a, it's a hugely uh, good point. You know, when... when uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll just leave it at that without, you know, getting into rehashing a bunch of old stories. I would say, I, I don't know if he's been on the show. If not, I mean, obviously you pick your own guest, but show Michael Singleton, uh, you know, a friend of mine, uh, does a, a, you know, a black gun owner, does a TV show about it, uh, engaged in, you know, some of this stuff. But, um, you know, so there are, you know, there's actually though, that's a very good point at the judicial, at the level of the big, well-funded conservative legal defense these things representing religious issues right a life that doesn't you know you're right that that there's there's that's, that's a big gap yeah there, there are a lot of uh particularly young black men but even outside of that there's a lot of people in this country who get charged with illegal possession of a firearm and that's it yeah. now if they're committing a crime with the gun okay fine i get it you commit a crime you commit a crime um, I mean, like if they're robbing somebody, if they're carjacking or doing something like that, or using the gun in the process of a crime. If someone literally is like, I would like to bear arms, you know, the Constitution says shall not be infringed. I would like to see, you know, the NRA. I'm not a big fan of the NRA, but I, so I don't think they would do anything. But I'd like to see more gun, gun rights groups actually be like, we're going to go to Washington, D.C. We're going to go to Chicago. We're going to go to L.A. We're going to go to Compton. We're going to talk to these. We're going to find these young men. We're going to look at that, that, that charge sheet where it says illegal possession of a firearm, and we're going to be like, nah, we're going to give you the legal defense because this is not right. Second Amendment is clear. Right. These guys didn't do anything wrong. It's, it's, it's similar to how I think the left overlooks violent crime in these neighborhoods as well. It's not going to play well. I mean, we got a viral video that's been going around for a while of a woman holding her baby, getting shot and killed, and then lying on top of her baby to protect her from these drive-by shooters. And a lot of conservatives are like, where's Black Lives Matter? Where's the left complaining about this? And I'm like, it's a good point. You know, they, 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 they scream when there's a cop and an accidental, uh, you know, an, an accident occurs or a tragedy or, or in this instance, negligence. But they're not screaming when, you know, things things go bad in Chicago. They're not screaming about the gang violence. It's just the cops. Now I get it. There's a fair point, too. Cops are in positions of authority. Right. So I understand that. And then there's an argument for the conservatives. It's like some of these guys who have these guns are actually in gangs and they have guns for not good reasons. But at the same time, I'm like, honestly, man. I think we need to have some some principle in the matter. If we're if we're for black lives, we're for the gang members as well. And if we're for gun ownership, we're for gang members as well. One of the things that I I'm surprised, and you know, there may be well, actually, I don't think there is a good reason for it. But why uh, we haven't seen more prosecutions, um, the FBI, ATF using RICO statutes, so racketeering, yeah, yeah. in the same way that they do against Russian organized crime, Eastern European groups, um, you know. MS-13, whatever, where actually, if you can build up your evidentiary picture, you could have a pretty significant uh, judicial effect. I think part of the reason is that the, um, you know, that some of the gangs at times, you know, again, you know, the young black men tend to be a part of, there's less, um, you know, the the economic impact on society is lower uh, as a term in terms of criminal finances. And so the incentive for the FBI is to go after higher value things, right. but at the moral level and, and the life level, you know, you would think that would be something perhaps everyone could get behind. Of course, I'm sure 
I'm totally delusional about that, but you know, there cre- being creative here, right? It is um, surely something we need to do more of, um, you know, because it's it's pretty, you know, again, the, the, those mansions. I, yeah, I think I got a good, you know, overlapping nonprofit idea that I'm gonna see if I can, you know, get set up, and I'm, you know, so I, I've been talking to a few people about this, and it's quite literally to find young young men who are charged with possession of a firearm and that's it and then so i think chicago is a good target for this because i think it'll be maybe this could be a position where you know a lot of the black lives matter people not who are not too democratic establishment where they're just anti-gun for no reason but a lot of these actual leftist personalities who believe in black lives matter i'll be like how about we get these guys out of jail and help them get their lives fixed because they didn't do anything wrong they're abiding they're enjoying their second amendment rights and then I think a lot of the gun owners, libertarians, and even some conservatives might be like, all right, we agree with that as well. So I'm like, maybe that's a, that's a good thing where we can be like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Don't yell at us because we're trying to help and, you know, make, make lives better for everybody. And, 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 and I bet in a lot of those cases, right, it's going to be, well, we know, uh, it's, it's that person carrying that gun because they're in a very high crime neighborhood and they exactly. don't want to get robbed. I mean, exactly. it's, it is basic level Second Amendment stuff, right? Just, and, and I mean, yeah, it's like very rudimentary. Just self-defense. Right, right. I want to protect myself. And that's true for a lot of these guys. Right. I've, cause I, I've, I'm from, I'm from Chicago. I see guys who are like, I'll be damned if I'm going to be a victim to these people, these gangs. I don't want to have anything to do with it, but right. they want to defend themselves. I will say it'd be really funny if we start, you know, we, we find people with standing. You get a, you get a young black man. He's got, a, you know, a 1911 or something, 45. And uh, he gets arrested and charged for it. That's the only crime. The cops stop him. You're under arrest. Felony gun possession. We come in. We say, we're going to sue. And then it starts making its way up the courts. What are the Democrats going to do? Mm. What's their argument going to be? Mm-hmm. We're actually defending the rights of minorities right. and gunners at the same time. Are they going to come in and say that that black man should be in jail? Oh, I'd love to see him do that. No, I think that black man should not be in jail. I think he has a right to defend himself the same as everybody else. I heard the Black Panthers were out in Minnesota. On, right. on Sunday morning, and they were armed to the teeth, and I say, good. Yeah, right. They're allowed to do it. Absolutely. Good American and nothing citizens. Happened. And nothing happened. Well, not from them. Right. Other people went out later and started trashing the stuff. It wasn't the Panthers. Right. They have a constitutional right to protect themselves and to bear arms, and I think they're good American citizens doing so. Right. Absolutely. Totally agree. I'd like to see it happen. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see where we can go with that. Yeah, and again, I, 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 it's so instrumental, right, that it, 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 it is so... Um, talk about riots, right? In 2011, at least in riots, you know, as a, a gunner, you can have a gun in your home and you could at least have relative confidence, relative, um, that you might be able to protect your family. Uh, you know, in 2011 in London, there were riots over three days and the cop, the police were totally overwhelmed. There was no, you know, if you think about sort of older people, uh, people with health issues, they, it was anarchy for them. People could come into their homes, you know, take stuff, do whatever, and, all that their only recourse with the cops and more than that the people doing it knew that right yeah here at least there is a moment of pause you would hope some people obviously there isn't but but you know you're going to walk in and you know good night uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this you know uh out, out in the middle of nowhere and uh, a little bit further west of where we are you see no trespassing sign yeah don't come in yeah you definitely gonna obey that no trespassing sign so like i've i've been out you know i, I was thinking about this i was driving through west virginia and I look at all these houses and I'm like, you know, the, if, if you if you even thought of robbing this house, you're going to die. Right. Like, don't commit crimes. And so, I mean, people are reasonable. They're not just going to randomly shoot a person they see on their property, but they're going to warn you and they're going to be armed to the teeth. Most of the people who live out here, they're armed because cops are few and far between. Right. So, you know, it's interesting to me. Like I was mentioning earlier, the cost for the activist of getting caught rioting is almost nothing. 
Their life will not be harmed in any way. And it's really fascinating because destroying property, burning things down, and literally causing harm to people are very serious crimes. Yet going back to this, I hear these stories of, you know, a you know, 28-year-old dad in Chicago who's scared of gang violence, so he gets an illegal gun. It's, it's, not, it's not literally illegal according to the Constitution, but the state says it is. And that's his crime. He gets to go to prison. He gets to get locked up and have his life ruined because he wants to protect himself from gang violence in the city, the city that the police can't control. That to me is insane. Then you have these rioters who go out and destroy everything. Nothing happens to them. It is interesting as well if we think about the left's view on um, voter ID laws, right? That it's prohibitive in terms of cost. It disproportionately affects minority communities. And yet the, the same principle is not applied to, well, you, to buy a gun license to go through yeah. all that room. Well, no, that's okay. That's something completely right, different. Right, right, right. It is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. Voter ID is racist because it disenfranchises minorities. What about when minorities want to go buy a gun? Right. Is gun, gun ideas racist? Right. That's a funny thing, too, about this voting stuff. When I think it was like David Hogg who said, vote, buying a gun shouldn't be easier than voting. And I was like, are you suggesting that guns should be mailed to everyone's home when they don't ask for it? Because right. mail-in ballots got mailed out to everybody, even if you asked for it or not. Could you imagine if you're like, you turn 18 and they mail you an AR-15? Right. I mean, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'd be like, great. No, that wouldn't be awesome. A lot of dumb people would have. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. think about that. A gun and just like, lying next to someone's mailbox. Right. No, that's not a good idea. We don't want to do that. Like, I, I get it. Go to go to a shop. You know, have have the weapon properly transferred. Be responsible. Take it seriously. Follow the rules. Get you know safety training and all that stuff. Be responsible. But that's that, that's just it's an amazing gap in uh, how they actually view the rights of minorities. It's politically useful to be like voter ID is wrong. Okay, well let's get them all guns. I think the Black Panther should have guns. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think these people these people in in Chicago, Minnesota, wherever have a right to have guns. Where, where yet, Democrats? Where's Black Lives Matter on this one? Yeah. We can all fight for this. The Black Panthers showed up in Richmond, Virginia, I think it was, yep. when the 2A people were all protesting. And it's funny how the, the media tries framing the Second Amendment guys as, like, white supremacists. And I'm like, they're taking selfies with the Black Panthers smiling. Right. Like, these people are all very much, like, libertarian, like, hey, man, you get your gun, I got mine, and we'll high-five each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was in Texas <laughs> years ago, and I saw a bunch of, you know, guys, look kind of like militia guys standing around at a Trump rally with guns and uh, a guy showed up wearing a shirt. I think it was a black guns matter shirt. And it was a tall black dude with a beard and a, some, some, you know, probably a five, five, six, air 15 of some sort. And he walked right up to these right wing Trumpsters and they shook hands, started talking, laughing with each other. And it's because they had common interests. They probably didn't agree politically on certain things, but they were very much pro gun, pro liberty, pro each other's rights. And both the white guy and the black guy recognize each other as respecting the rights of the individual I think that's what we need more of. Yeah. Let, let's, let's do this. We're going to, it's, this is a bit of a hard, hard jump in terms of uh, a segue, but I want to jump into the story about UFOs because I know you're, you're a, an enthusiast. Right. Sorts. Right. Yeah. So we have this story that, uh, uh, has actually been going around for a little bit. We've talked about it quite a bit. Pictures and videos show unidentified flying objects moving above U.S. Navy warships. This story, uh, was updated just recently the other day. And the reason it's significant, military U.S. Naval ships, National security installations are being spied on, essentially. Mm -hmm. Something is flying above them, surveilling them, perhaps. They're they're described as what? Tic Tacs? Well, they're various forms. Uh, Tic Tacs, um, triangles, um, spheres encased in cubes. And and, and Uh, all over the place, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, all over the. I mean, the the ones that we're looking at that that have hit the news in recent years. I'm sorry, spheres encased in cubes. Yeah, that was the 2015 (laughs) um, 
2015, Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group, one of the pilots described it looked like a spear in case nearly hit him. Uh, and so there are various forms. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. And this stuff is not, I mean, this is what's, you know, I, I'm, you know, I do have a kind of eccentric sort of, you know, British sense of humor, whatever. I'm relatively young. Uh, as a journalist, I, I tell people I'm covering this issue because I feel my sourcing on it is very good. Um, it, it's co- complementary to kind of writing about Russian and Chinese military activities, research and development. You know, it would be a very bad idea for me to lean into this subject as I have if I wasn't very, very confident because credibility wise, you become, you know, a, a, a looney tune, right? Yeah. Um, so it is happening. Uh, it's happening near the Navy predominantly uh, in their workup areas off the east and west coast. Uh, the Navy assesses that at least a significant part of the reason it is happening near the carriers and the submarines uh, is because of the nuclear reactors and weapons in some case on those, that these things are attracted to it. That is top secret um, because the, the U.S. does not want China and Russia to, to figure out how that detection capability comes about. Wow. Because if they did figure that out, they could destroy our nuclear deterrent forces. Yeah. So wait, wait, you're saying that these weird flying things somehow can detect our nuclear capabilities. Yes. yes. And we don't want Russia and China to know how to detect our yes. nuclear capabilities. Yes. And that, that's, that's, you know, that's classified, that, that assessment, but it's. But it's not Russia and China doing this? No, it's not. It's, it's a high, we, we, up, you know, Tim McMillan, who really I think is probably the top journalist on this, uh, at least from the U.S. point of view in the world, debrief, um, both him and myself, um, you know, have said you know it's 99 percent sure we are not simply because of um you know as we understand it what china and russia have in development and they do have for example on hypersonic hypersonic glide vehicles which are going to be the new form of delivering nuclear weapons um the russians are at least in delivered platforms that are deployed more advanced than the united states that's going to change soon um but that's their top end stuff this stuff is going hypersonic but from stop to start no jet fuel no okay. no sonic boom no sonic boom in some ca- yeah well, no sonic boom in most cases um the, the propulsion vectors uh the behavior patterns so you know the top lines intelligently controlled machines because of how they interact uh happening since the end of the second world war and again this is just focusing on military credible sources not you know and i think a lot of these witnesses are probably telling the truth but but, you know, you want to go with police officers, people who have a lot to lose by saying, I saw this, or radar, data platforms, um, intelligent control machines, capable transmedium travel underwater space, um, you know, through the air. Uh, and again, since the end of the Second World War, really soon. And we, yeah. we had Marco Rubio, I think, recently said that right. we be, like it's a, it's a serious threat we should talk about because we don't know who this is and they're flying over our national security. Right, and he, t- he talks about strategic it, 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 import. He's talking about the nuclear connection there. Right. Uh, and, it, you know, Marco Rubio also wants to run president again in the future. He's the chair of the Senate, or actually now the vice chair of the Senate, Senate Intelligence Committee. Um, you know, he knows. He's seen that he knows this is really, hey, it's not China, yeah. Russia, or us. Something's going on. Um, I'm going to keep pushing this subject because it's going to be good for my political career. And I think he thinks the public should know more. Is it aliens? I, th- I think it probably is. Yes. You think it's probably aliens? I think it is probably alien. I am almost, I'm highly confident it is either aliens or extra dimensional or some, Whoa. or some, some <laughs> Dude, secret. We're thing. getting crazy. No, now. and I really, I, hey, listen, that's a big thing to say, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I think that will be borne out, uh, in our lifetimes that, that it's, it's, it really is something else. 
because if you again it's the sherlock holmes thing right or you know you eliminate the impossible all you're left with it, it is not u.s china russia or elon musk mm. and it's machinery and it's intelligently controlled I, I don't know if there are people in it or whatever uh, and it's been happening since the second world War. yeah so that's, Man- that's manhattan what- project right you, people right. google los alamos um little green orbs you know uh, interdimensional the, the, dude that's oh, freaky. yeah I, you know extra dimensional whatever extra dimensional. you know i i don't know and then then that is the sort of generous point that it's something other right yeah um but but that's that's the basic that's why marco rubio is leaning into this because they know it's not the russians and chinese and they don't and they you know so there's there's a conspiracy theory that once we we actually drop the nukes we basically sent a signal right so those who could attack nuclear capabilities were like what are these 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 you know creatures doing this is insane high level of intellect right technical proficiency and they understand how devastating these weapons can be and then there's other conspiracies that they've shut off our nuclear capabilities in the past you've heard those stories yeah robert hastings uh who's become a friend of mine he's the guy who wrote the kind of bible on that ufos and nukes not a terribly original title but the (laughs) the sourcing is excellent uh and yes they have and they've done it to the russians what's interesting as well is the um you know, the Russians and Chinese had these experiences still, um, you know, nuclear platform sites. As, um, and uh, the Russians, uh, being Russians in the Cold War, you know, tried to shoot these things down a couple of times and the pilots ended up dying. Um, so, Whoa, yeah, yeah. So there's a part, I don't know more than that. That was actually came out in a declassified British military report. I've heard it from, you know, at least one other source. Very good. So there's a lot more to this subject. You ever see Stranger Things? Uh No. Are you familiar with the show? Yes, you know, yes, right? So yes. it's like there's the upside down. Right. When I when I think about extra dimensional, there's there's one thing I've often wondered. We have invisible means of data transmission. Right. We use electromagnetic uh, electromagnetic waves of various uh, frequencies to send signals to other devices. And I often wondered. I wonder if what is invisible to us is actually a physical phenomenon in an, another dimension of sorts that mm-hmm. we can't perceive. And so we are actually just completely ignorant of what we're doing, maybe on the other side. So as we broadcast a signal, you know, like a five gigahertz signal to us, nothing happens. We don't see anything. It's not ionizing radiation. But then maybe in this another dimension or the upside down or whatever, it's actually like ripples, like pushing through water, having a very serious impact on something that might be on the other side. Yeah. I- so w- real quick, just when we talk about extra dimensional. I wonder if then the reason they're detecting the nuclear uh, reactors and energy is because it's having a physical reaction in their dimension or whatever. Right. Maybe. You know, I, Maybe. We, and we don't know. It's, it's a wild, wild, crazy <laughs> thought, to be to be honest. I have no idea. There, There is, you know, I, I, and you can go back in, in, in time. You look at, um, you know, there was a situation with one of the, you know, very top, top uh, Roman generals, uh, I think, finding the Thracians. Uh, where the testimony um, of, I forget, the, the Roman historian, um, and it, it's actually on UFO sightings, you know, Wikipedia page, but I went and backtracked. The sourcing is legitimate, uh, describing what looks like a UFO coming in between two armies. Um, the behavior patterns of some of these things are really interesting and in where, where they appear. You know, there's a school connection point. Um, Schools? School, yep, school in Zimbabwe, <laughs> Ariel School in what, 1994, Zimbabwe. All the kids, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kids describing it. Um, some of them saying they saw a being, uh, Melbourne, 1967. It's one in Miami. Why are they appearing at school sometimes? Those are both saucer type. There's a lot to this. It's hot. It's easy to go down uh, the rabbit hole. Uh, but, uh, something very significant is going on. I'll tell you something crazy. Um, do you know about the O'Hare airport sighting? Yeah. In 2006. Yeah. 
It, it was 2006, are you sure? I'm uh, pretty confident. 2006? Yeah. Makes sense. I believe So uh, I worked at O'Hare until 2006. And I had friends who worked there. I worked in the term in, in the in the terminal, not even the, not the terminal. The um, this was in the United. It was a, it was yeah. a, it was above the above United. the gate, right? So where I worked was just next to the United Terminal. So I worked right. for American Eagle Airlines, which was next to American Airlines, and so a bunch of the guys that uh, I had quit, and then this happened. I think uh, like maybe like five or six months after. So I had friends who were still there. And they, I, and when this happened, I was immediately like, yo, yo, what happened? What did you see? And a bunch of them said they saw it. They said that some object came down through the clouds or was, was seen floating in the sky for a, for a little, for a minute or two and then shot straight up and punched a hole in the clouds. Right. And they were told it was a weather phenomenon. Yeah. Now here's where it gets crazy. One of my friends said they were driving to work at the time or I, 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 I they were driving on Mannheim Road, which is just outside of O'Hare. I don't, it's, it's been a long time, mind you. It's, you know, this is what, 15 years. They were on Mannheim Road, which is one of the major uh, roads that goes up just next to O'Hare Airport. And they said when this thing came down, people stopped their cars and got out and were staring up at it. And I was told that people were taking pictures. Early yeah. camera phones existed at the time. Yeah. And so I was like, where's all that, all those photos at? Now, there was one photo that got released. The pilot was in the plane and he turned and took and there's this grainy, you know, crappy photo. But from what I heard, and maybe it's just exaggerations and, and hearsay and it was wrong. I had someone tell me straight up, they saw people taking pictures of it. Right. Where'd those pictures go? No, I, we, I, didn't, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have Facebook the way we do. So maybe, maybe it's just sitting on these old, you know, flip phones from 2006 that never got put I, online. I've heard the same thing. Um, interesting that the descriptions there were a saucer. You know, it tends to be now Tic Tacs, triangles, whether that's multiple or, or originating vectors, right? Multiple um, things. But it's a very good point. I, I also think, though, p people ask, why do we not have more photos now, right? With iPhones, such good quality, you know, whatever phone you have. I, I think that is going to be these things when they're seen are either willing to be seen or want to be seen. They are. There are photos of them. The, the, but there the, aren't as many as we might expect. I, I think the issue is, let, let, let me put it this way. I once looked up at the sky and the moon looked amazing. And I was just looking at the corona and the color. It was like a it was like a blood moon with this massive corona, and it was a full moon. And I was like, "Wow, let me take a picture of this." <laughs> I put my camera at it, and it's a white dot on the screen. And I'm like, "I cannot capture this moment on a phone." Right. I have seen weird things in the sky before that look like there's a tail coming off, and I'm like, "Was that a comet or a meteorite?" And I put my camera at it, and you lose all the definition, and all it is is a red dot with a with a grainy blue background. And I'm like, "Damn, I can't take a picture of this." I think people overestimate the power of cell phone cameras with long range, uh, uh, right. low resolution photographs. Right. So if you, if I guess people are expecting like the saucer to land in their backyard and then to get a high resolution photo, they're not doing that. They've never done that. Uh, so what, one thing though that hopefully you obviously mentioned Jeremy Corbell's uh, photos. There were some other ones that that I had that um, you know uh, happened similar. Well, actually, you know, slightly different time. Um, one thing that myself and Tim McMillan reported on last December uh, is a uh, in December 2019 or thereabouts. Um, now the the pilots in the F-18s, right from the carrier groups, have their iPhones. Um, they took one air crew took a photo of a triangle, uh, which we've seen David Marler's yes, the, but I think com coming out the water, right? Um, and that photo, I have not seen it. Uh, I know it exists. Um, you know, multiple sources, uh, and it's. When that photo comes out, I think that will be a really pretty pivotal moment because it will be from an air crew. There'll be a chain of custody, uh, and 
you know, when you see that thing, and then when they match up the sensor data with it, anyway. These Jeremy Corbell photos, the ones mm-hmm. we're talking about, the naval war- the warships, yeah. they're, they're white. They're white specks. You can't even. Yeah, see I anything. mean, you say one of them looks like a pyramid. I, I mean, the Navy yeah. were tracking them though, yeah. uh, and they did identify them as unknown. It was talked about multiple days, multiple ships, and the, the Navy really has an incentive to to not want to talk about this stuff. Susan Goff, who leads the press effort at the Pentagon, everything goes through her. I reached out to her today about uh, actually kind of Jeremy Corbell stuff through NCIS. Goes back to her very tightly controlled i don't think it's so much that they're trying to conceal alien bodies in the basement i think they really don't <laughs> they don't know how to handle the issue and it keeps happening and it's escalating so this this is not going away and again journalistically i think it will do a lot of favors for my career that i've lent into it you said uh it's 99 percent likely that it's not uh russian chinese or american where'd you get that number that that's my that's my uh, assessment but i think it's uh I'm very confident that is the assessment shared by ONI, uh, Office of Naval Intelligence, which leads the investigative effort. Personally, I feel like it's more likely that the Navy's lying than that extraterrestrials are arrived, just mathematically, in a a likelihood guess. I think you have to, yeah, you have to trust, um, again, uh, your sources. You have to look at platforms that are in place. I mean, we're not just, the the thing that's interesting about these, uh, and again, looking at the the historic, certainly with the triangles, um, uh, the way these things behave, non-jet propulsion, uh, transmedium travel, um, hypersonic instantaneous acceleration, which would rip a human body apart, unless you have some kind of uh, Inertial dampeners. Exactly. A a space-time bubble. Potentially, yeah. which might Warp be the, might be the might be the things <laughs> on the side of the triangle, maybe not, uh, but I think probably is. Um, and again, that's not me saying that. Um, the port the, in the starboard nacelles, right? But it is getting. <laughs> I mean, it is, but 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 the the capabilities across the board, multiple points, right? That that you know, hypersonic, non-jet propulsion, transmedium. That stuff is so far. We don't have any of that. Well, you could think it could be plasma, like a cloud of plasma being. Uh, yeah, but then we ha- we have debris, bro. Surface plasma, imagine, we have debris, metallic Listen, debris. Imagine someone. Oh, it could be a metamaterial, yeah. Imagine someone in the 1800s trying to explain a jet engine, and they'd be trying to use their understanding of science to explain futuristic technology. They wouldn't be thinking about com- these combustion engines in the same way. Or more importantly, when we talk about electricity, and then you go back and try and explain it to someone in the pre, you know, pre-electricity. They're not going to understand the concept of how this works. And so they're going to try and use their perspective on science. You end up with ideas like the ether. You know what I mean? They don't don't quite, they can't, they they can't conceptualize this stuff. What debris did they find? Uh, so the debris in terms of uh, metamaterial, uh, I don't know the, I know the U.S. government has it. I've heard that from, uh, two extremely good sources, extremely good, verified, you know, um, that it is um, from a crash location, you know, identified something went down, recovered, and the material analysis of it. There's a lot of different elements of metamaterial that people say are from UFOs or UAPs. Um, the, the, the U.S. government stuff, there's, again, chain of custody from sighting, crash, whatever, um, that because of the uh, metallurgy or the, the binding of the metals within it, uh, it would be impossible to do with our understanding of um manufacturing uh and that it would require at least you know one very good source told me uh again and these are government people right this is not some you know this is not researchers who i think there are some great researchers but i'm trying to be very careful here about being able to have a governmental link to what i'm saying um 
that that you could not produce it where you're not in a zero g zero gravity environment so space um and so th this is something that you know other people have talked about with that they say you know metal analysis um but you know again when you when you've got um the radar returns the icbm satellites that we in case china just decides to nuke us in the middle of the night that we can track it you've got this stuff coming into orbit you know you've got it the nuclear attack submarines catching it underwater at hundreds of knots um got it in the air you've got the pilots seeing it um you've got infrared um you have uh, you know just a gamut of, of sensor data matched up uh, at least in limited circumstances to you know metallurgical analysis um uh, you know th this, this is really something going on here and again it, it's better actually though to say right to who, who the hell is tom rogan you know the, the marco rubia the, the people who are leaning into this um you know, it's, it's it's something is going on, and, yeah. and 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 that's and and you know, time will tell. I mean, I do that that metallurgical analysis, right? That that is very hard to, as someone told me, avoid the physics, just 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 kind of you know, uh, focus on it's really interesting, and and here's what we know. It's a it, but it's the seal has been broken now, that right? And and, and so it's going it to seems keep. like May there are no physics when it comes to the metal. Like I have no evidence of metallurgy. To, for you to to see, yeah, and right. And the government is known lying to us like weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't intelligence failure, um, you know, could explain some of this. But but again, when you have the cross section, I, I appreciate. I well, I do appreciate the fact that it's you know I'm saying right. This what's my, this is my reporting, um, but you know I could be a, a liar. Uh, and I could be being misled. Just I just trying to sell a book. I think Bob Lazar was misled. No, I'm not writing about. Yeah, I when don't talk about Zeta Reticuli. I don't believe Bob. I actually personally don't believe him. I think he's, yeah, I don't believe him. I think he saw the craft that they were working on the drones, yeah. but then they told him he said they he were saw aliens. Green man. Yeah, they they pro they might have had. Oh, it was a puppet. That guy has a track record that, that, that you, you got to be. You know, you got to talk to people who who have the credentials, and that's what I've tried to focus on. Um, like what? With Lazar, it seems like he was working on a drone program and that they told him it was aliens to throw it so that he didn't go and spew like the, the government's working on drones. I, 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 Zeta Reticuli? It's nonsense. He, I, and so I, he I, went I out and told everyone that and now he looks like he's crazy. Right. Doesn't mean that sure, they weren't sure. working on a drone program. I mean, they raided Tesla's laboratory in the twenties. I just think he, that, that guy lacks credibility. Yeah. He I did was, work. His story did work. Sure, there. sure, sure. That's fine. But his story's changed and I'm not interested in someone telling a story and being all smiley and confident about it and then coming out, you know, 20, 30 years later, be like, oh, actually, that wasn't true. Because back then it was sensational. Got him on TV. Today, no one believes it. So he takes that part out of his story. He said he saw little green men. Yeah. And, I, and they I, took that out. I, I was, oh, it was a puppet. <laughs> Shut up. I would say <laughs> as well, that, I mean, hope, I, I, I think my reporting will stand uh, on the merits, but I would say a basic place to start, Robert Hastings UFOs and nukes and David Marler uh, Triangle UFOs. Those are two very good, serious people who are just keeping it to eyewitnesses who have credibility and doing their due diligence. And, it, and, it, and it's fun. It's fun stuff it is, to, it to, is. to learn well, about. I believe maybe, that there are maybe things we'll actually get to the point where we will discover what it is or it'll be unveiled to the public. But uh, I think we're we going to discover a lot more in the coming years. I think for we, sure we it's take, something, uh, we, but I just don't I don't see aliens. I mean, I have no no evidence, even remote evidence of aliens. Well, let's see what the audience thinks over in the Super Chats. If you haven't already, my friends, smash that like button and comment because it really, really does help. You're basically telling YouTube you like the show. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member because we will have an exclusive members-only segment coming up after the show. 
over at TimCast.com. So also subscribe. I think in the next couple of days, we're about to break 1 million subscribers. And then, you know, and then in six months or whatever, they'll send us the golden Ugh. plaque again. And then yeah. we can put it on the wall <laughs> and we'll have it up there and it'll be fun. But uh, thanks so much, everybody, for subscribing. It's been, it's, been, it's been a heck of a ride so far. And here's to many more years to come. Let's read some of these super chats. We got Georgie Georgiev says, hello, guys. And subscribe to TimCast.com. Keep up the good work. Also, why not make a show where Adam is a guest? It would be fun to see you guys together for one show again at Cheers from East Europe. Ooh. Perhaps there are some ideas floating around. We'll see how uh, how things roll, but we do have a plan for Friday night special episodes. That uh, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. But we've, we're getting the venue set up. We're gonna have shows, and maybe there is something that unique will happen on Fridays. All right, let's see. Ulysses says, Tim, can you explain why Veritas hasn't been canceled yet? It makes no sense to me because they're bucking the narrative and exposing lies, but are still being allowed to produce content. They got banned from Twitter mm-hmm. not that long ago. So they're certainly trying, but Veritas is on the level. They want, it, they want to claim they're deceptive and all that. And James O'Keefe comes out with a very uh, uh, accurate point. He just produces videos of people with their mouth moving. If their mouth isn't moving, he doesn't produce the content. And he's correct. There's a lot of footage. There's some where you can't see their mouth move. I get you get his point. The point is he has videos of people saying things. You want to say it's deceptively edited or whatever. Sorry, man. You're going to have to do better than that because other news organizations do much worse. They say, we have an anonymous source. We won't reveal to you. Just trust us. This is what they said. Uh-huh. At least with James O'Keefe, you can see somebody saying it. That's a hundred times more credible than our anonymous source said. But they're, they're trying to cancel him. All right, Common Cure says small towns are the future. Mm. Here, here. All right, let's see. Where are we at? Julie, uh, Julie Ann says, would love if you could have Drew Hernandez on, founder of Lives Matter Independent Investigative Journalist, was just at Border about to, uh, uh, about to go to Minneapolis. We have had Drew on the show. Multiple, Multiple times. times. Yes. yes, Drew's great. He's great. I love him. All right. Good worker. Brett Morgan says, Tim, I want to start a Virginia chapter of TimCast Independent Journalists. They and you can message me at, at the Captain 251 on Twitter. It is uh, TimCast, the independent media broadcast. Mm-hmm. There you go. VGK Stone says, Sup, gang, watch a show every night. Love it. Ian, have you heard of the story up in Quebec, Canada right now with graphene in the in the blue surgical masks? Health Canada put out a recall on blue surgical masks. Yeah, someone sent me a message about that. I didn't read into it, though. Interesting. Really? I laughed when I read it. That's crazy. Opossum says, I fear no matter what comes out, people will never wake up. I have three close friends and I send them things disproving the corporate narrative and they still don't see it. They say, willful ignorance. Yep. That's the problem. All right. Let's see where we at. Matt Daniel says, yo, Tim, I got into crypto after hearing you talk about it during the GameStop stock thing in January. I invested in Doge, and it's gone up like 900% now. What's Doge yet? <laughs> uh, I didn't look today. I'll check it out. Bitcoin's I at $63,000. All time high, yeah. Ethereum, too. What's Ethereum at? Uh, 2300 or something. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Remember we had Bill on the show, and he was like, you should, he was like, is, like, Ethereum. like Ethereum sounds like it's a good idea. Not financial Correct. advice. Yes. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'll buy some. Crypto sounds like Very a good idea. Very happy about that. <laughs> financial advice. Tell uh, me what Do- Doge is. Doge is at 10 cents. 11 cents. 11 Whoa. cents. Wasn't it at like four cents? It was point zero 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 four cents like last year or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was at four cents. Imagine being a Dogecoin millionaire. <laughs> you know, I made my first million in Dogecoin. And, <laughs> of uh, the, the, the name is befitting. Exactly. Yes, a millionaire <laughs> status. Yes. 
Ronald Asharov says Brian Stelter has been demoted to making Tucker Carlson reaction videos. True, though. Yeah, that's true. That's unfortunately. OMG Puppy says Moore's suppressed Planet of the Humans is interesting look at corruption of green energy industry. Biomass power plants burn trees. Showcase solar farms are uh, are abandoned ruins. Mining and fossil fuel use behind all green tech. Mm. Interesting. All right, let's see what we got. Josh L says, can Substack become YouTube for writing? Oh. Well, the issue is the, the difference between Substack and YouTube in general is that YouTube has advertising propping oh, it up. Yeah. So if you're on YouTube, ads run on the, on the content, you make money. You've also got uh, uh, super chats and things like that for live streams. But the membership function for YouTube is not that great. Uh, Substack is very different, and they're actually writing checks to people to get them to come over. So it won't be the YouTube of writing. I think Medium tried to do that, and it wasn't as effective. The thing about Substack is they found a way to create a career for people out of it. So it's more like Patreon with a focus on writing. Uh, I should clarify, Doge was point zero zero two cents a year ago, so it is appreciated 50 times wow. in the last year. Impressive. All right, let's see. Zermis Playground says Amazon can't even go a month without becoming more totalitarian. They forced facial recognition login. Then they installed cameras that watch everything you do and will even text you text your boss if you yawn. Now there's a wrong think policy we have to sign. Wow. What? Is that true? Jeez. If you yawn, your boss gets a text about Where's it. Where's that at? At Amazon? Jeez. Well, I'll tell you this. If it were me, I would quit. Yep. I'd rather just live, on, live under a tree in the middle of the woods and go fishing down by the river. Man, I don't know, I man. Feel people, for people that need money right now. It's what like, do you need money for? Family, food, I guess. rent, family, family feed your yeah. kids. Plenty of fish in the sea. Pay for your house. What did what, what did what did what did our ancestors do? Did they go like rats? I need Killed money. A bunch of Native Americans. Or did they just go like I'm going to kill a deer and eat it? Feed my family. They could catch it. Yeah, they could. Sometimes there I mean, aren't many deer in the inner cities. There's a lot of starvation back then. That's the problem, man. Don't live in these cities. Yeah. You come out in the middle of nowhere, and the deer are a problem. It is. They're be- pests. That's what they call them. Beautiful out here as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a lot of the people at the gun shop. They're like, you have a deer, a lot of deer on your property? I'm like, oh, tons. And they're like, we can deal with them for you. I'm like, they don't bother me because we they're not destroying any of our crops like, right. like that. But for a lot of people, that is a problem right. Right. when they have like fruit trees and the deer come and just tear it all up and stuff like that. And there's too many of them. So hunting is literally because there's too many deer. You got to keep the numbers in check. Interestingly, though, I, I, I was reading once about how they reintroduced wolves to like the Yellowstone area. And the wolves keep the numbers in check and restore balance. It was really interesting. We need some hunting of foxes in London. Yeah. Our tor- pet tortoise was killed by a fox one. Oh, that's wow. terrible. Tragedy, yeah. I'm sorry Richard Cook sorry. says, Tom, the BBC News app slants every story with race-baiting style commentary. They do report facts, but in an asymmetric way, leaving out the race of an alleged criminal when they are not white. It's not good. Mm. Not perfect, but... You know, I think it's 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 a pretty good place. To I think start. you you made the good point. You've got to you've got to read around exactly. You, you, you can't have just to. you, you have can't to. go to the, look. I, I would tell you this: you go to the BBC, read an article. You need to fact check what you're reading. You know, and I, I and I do think you know, and I'm sure hopefully it will be replicated so there's more competition. But one <clears> good thing where Google really does deserve a positive shout out is the Google Translate, because yeah. going on you could go on Commerzant, you know, a Russian newspaper, you know, just hitting that button. Yeah. Maybe it's not going to be entirely accurate, but it gives you an idea of foreign media. Do you know about um, BBC Pigeon? No. A lot of people are surprised to find this. Pigeon is, oh, I think it's like West African uh Oh, sure, sure. Like, English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so it's like uh, 
phonetic, e, I guess, what do they call it? Ebonic English? Yes. Is that right? And a lot of people read it thinking it's a different language, and then they realize it's actually English. Right. But it's just crazy. Pigeon it's, English. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah, pigeon English. It's really interesting. Yeah. But like the BBC, it's like a funded, hype, you know, newsroom writing this style is interesting. Crazy. All right. Nevitz WC says, I see you want to get into entertainment like movies and television. Would you ever consider getting into graphic novels? I'm writing one, but because of my beliefs, I don't want it published by the woke. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you know who's amazing is, um, oh man, now I'm, now I'm forgetting the name and his books are right downstairs. George? The, uh, Junji Ito. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have like yeah. tons of Junji Ito graphic novel, manga, Killer. horror Crazy. stuff. Crazy. So cool. Really creepy. Really Some of the read. best horror I've ever read. It was twisting my mind to yeah. try and read through those. What was Umaki? It was twisting your yeah, mind? It was, it was, it was rough. It's, it's amazing. I was a different person when I finished the first yeah, one. Yeah, dude. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Dixie Normus says, haha, Tim, why are you hating on WandaVision so much? Elizabeth Olsen is my queen. Because this, like, the first three episodes are trash. They're not even a real, it's not even a real show. They just waste our time. And then the next several episodes are okay, but she's the bad guy? I thought it was going to be revealed that she was being manipulated. I thought it was going to be like, oh, it turns out she was being manipulated and, and to do all this. Oh no, she's just evil. <laughs> she's literally just torturing people who beg for death. Boring. She's the bad guy. How is Agatha supposed to be the bad guy when she's like, how are you doing this? I want your power. I'm like, okay, if, if there was someone who was torturing thousands of people and you said, I want to take away your ability to torture them, I guess she wanted it for herself. That's still kind of bad. Hmm. But, you know. Let's what did forward. you think of The Witcher? The TV I didn't watch it. I didn't see it. Okay. I, I'll tell you what I thought about it. I turned it on, watched a few minutes, and then turned it off. Okay. All right. So we'll I, leave that there. Yeah. It's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say it was a bad show. I'm saying I just... Couldn't, yeah, all right. Fair couldn't, enough. Couldn't get it. Yeah. yeah. I'll be honest. I did the same thing with the video game. I played right. the first 15 minutes, and then I was like... Yeah, here it's amazing, and I, I yeah. just can't get through. Me, I, me too. I played the first one. I put it down. Picked up the second one. I was like, I should beat the first one first. I put it down. Picked up the third one. <laughs> played it for like two, 20 hours. Keep trying it, But yeah. I barely scratched the surface. Red, Red Dead board. Redemption 2. I haven't Gotta get on that. It's good. My brother it's, knows that I like it's that It's cool game. that yeah. you can experience like an old west town like southern like louisiana in the 1850s and it's almost like a vr reality where that's you get to cool. be there and see the sound right. hear the sounds and see it that's R cool richard cook just followed up he said you missed my point i can easily surf around for the truth however the masses will not do that this is what deranges the population mm. no I, I i agree when that, that's basically the point i was saying yeah a discerning individual someone who's politically initiated will know how to spot the pitfall media literacy we know how to spot the pitfalls when we're reading a story and we see the slant and the bias. How do we solve for the fact that these organizations don't do that? That's Education. Yeah, really. Yep. Yeah. Happen. yeah. Yeah. Cody Moons has been watching since the first time I saw you on Crowder. Keep up the good work. Hey, you appreciate it. Infinity Flare says, great take, Tim. I live in Seattle and wish the police would take up your suggestion. Let the enlightened left put their own lives on the line. I just, could you imagine what would happen? I like your idea. The cops give notice. Okay. All right, everybody, in, in 14 days, we will officially resign all at once. You give it a week, word travels around, and then people are going to be, no, 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 no. There's going to be like flowers and fruit baskets and chocolates <laughs> being mailed to the cops. It's, it's also interesting. I was thinking about this, that, that the way we described that, I bet, you know, if it was sort of going to be reported, you know, in left-wing media, they would say that it was, we were calling for... You know, the police. We should go back to the days where the police could just do whatever they wanted, no accountability. What we're actually just suggesting is just accountable policing, but like the the balance of law being, you know, predicated on, on you know, the, 
innocent until proven guilty, being right. treated fairly. The, the, say, you know, and we and we have uh, people who are just spoiled. They're so used to the cops actually dealing with a lot of this crime and dealing with. Let me let me slow down. My dad was a firefighter, and he said, "Son, you never want to be a cop. They work awful hours, and man, is it a it's like a miserable job." Everybody, you see the worst of people every single day. You're in your car and you get a call. Some nasty person's doing something nasty. And you got to deal with this every single day. People think like the cops spend most of their day, what, like writing tickets. A lot of cops spend a lot of their days in these cities dealing with violent, deranged individuals who won't listen, are breaking the law. It's a nasty job. Domestic violence. And yeah. now a lot of yeah. these, a lot of people are just accustomed to the ease that, you know, the police are a deterrent in many ways. And so when crime happens, they don't see it. They know that they don't need to have guns at their house because the cops are just a phone call away. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what happens when the cops are like, all right, you won't support us. That's fine. We'll leave. Call 911. Yeah. Well, I love it when the, guy, the, when the guy fell off the building. Yeah, call 911. The anti-police <laughs> activists who get hurt and then go, help, call the I, police. I feel for EMS, man, because if the cops resign and we rely everyone, call 911, it's going to be screwed. Do you what see the, the video? There's a video of these Antifa people leaving a riot. And they're crossing a bridge when they like throw something at a car, and then the guy like jumps out and he's armed or something. Yeah. And they're oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, call the police, call yeah, the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I, I, I would love to see that cop walk out and be like, you guys are upset. Nah, you're good. You don't need me, right? You want? I got fired. I'm out later. <laughs> it's like there's that that moment in the novel when finally the police are gone and all the protesters realize that the totalitarian military dictatorship that took the place of the police that's abusing beating and murdering them that it's not that good and, and like that you feel like good they now they're getting just desserts now they're getting killed by the corrupt like and like you want to see them suffer for their idiocy but i don't want that in society because we'll be left with a military no. dictatorship they're, they're they're not i said in a, it, it would be only a few days before they're begging the police and the police are right there saying okay okay we're, we're here that's why i said his idea was better Putting a notice out saying in 30 days we're done, you you will see how quickly people immediately like no 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 wait 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 we take it back we take it back we don't want to abolish the police. They abolished the police in Minneapolis and then panicked as phone calls started coming in saying there's crime, no one's stopping it, the police won't respond anymore. Right. It was it was panic, it was chaos. Crime was skyrocketing. If the police just said, okay, we've heard from the activists, the mayors are mad at us, the politicians are scapegoating us, the Democrats hate our guts. We're gonna we're out. It's all you guys. We're gonna go be firefighters, or we're gonna go work construction or something. The residents of these cities, Trump. I'll tell you this: if every cop in Minneapolis resigned the moment their their you know third precinct or whatever burnt to the ground, I bet Trump would have won Minnesota. Right, right. If the police said, I, I watched that video of the cops running out of the police precinct as it's being burnt to the ground, as people, one guy stole a bunch of police gear, and these cops, some of, many of them quit. Like in general, a bunch of them just stayed and then said, we know that we're being abused by our own government. We know that many of the people in the city refuse to defend us or stand up for us. But don't worry, we're not going anywhere. That's crazy to me. If they said you get what you ask for, the people have now voted for this. Minnesota was, was blue, right? It voted for a Democrat. OK, the police have now understood not only does, do people not support them, but they actually vote in the same people who smear, sacrifice, or just, you know, try and uh, scapegoat them. And they're still there. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. 
That's amazing to me. I kind of feel like, hey, at a certain point when someone says we don't want you here, do you get do you get the hint? Maybe you should just go. If the cops stood up last year, what's happening today wouldn't be happening. These riots wouldn't be happening. It's a wonderful life. All right. We got W Cash says, I'm a follower of the Daily Wire and Timcast. Found out about you from the Joe Rogan Twitter podcast. So glad I did. When can one of the Daily Wire hosts join your podcast? I'd love the range of ideas. That's a great question. Yeah. I'm really curious when we might be able to do that. I don't know the exact date, though. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Is it soon? It's the 23rd. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's really soon. up, man. That's going to be great. And you guys don't know who it is. Everyone's going to just say it's Ben Shapiro. Uh, Nah. All right. (laughs) Libertatum says, cops enforce unconstitutional laws politicians push. If they don't uphold their oath to the Constitution, they must be removed and should be held liable just as medical are to the Hippocratic Oath. I think if a politician says, officer, violate the Constitution, the officer should say, I can't do that. I was told not to do that. That's what it is in the military. It's an unlawful order. It's a duty to disobey. Right. Yeah. What, what if we what if we have states pass laws saying that if a police officer acts against the Constitution, that's a criminal charge. Make a statutory law a criminal offense, a misdemeanor for constitutional violation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to develop case law, though, so the police know how to operate in high stress, you know, time sensitive environments. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I take your point. I mean, that, right. that still exists, right? There's civil rights violations the FBI can investigate, but the, yeah. perhaps the, the balance of um, investigative interest is not where it should be. Seth Shoemake says, looks like y'all are on track to hit a million before the weekend. Thank you for being instrumental in turning the tide. Special thanks to Ian for being the show's protagonist. See the RLM definition. What does that mean? RLM. Thanks, dude. Sergeant Wolf says it's events like this with Dante Wright that make me want to be a cop, but it's also what make me never want to be a cop. I want to help my community, but how can I do that if I'm going to be targeted or tar and feathered for it? It's just really simple. If you have a community and a large portion, not the majority, but a large portion, I guess the plurality is saying down with cops, cops are bad. Then the next larger group just says, we don't care. We have, we don't care about you at all. Okay. Well, then the vote is in abstained. Cops are bad. There you go. Stop supporting those people. The Civic Nationalist says, from one Brit to another, bet the weather ain't balls across the pond, but the Bobbies need better training. Also try to give the Yanks some bants, but you can leave it to the me- uh, to the members' bit. God save the Queen, long live Britain. <laughs> Do you understand any of that? Yeah, I understand all of it. <laughs> I got speaking that, I think that was speaking it. Britain. Yeah. <laughs> Guidance says, Tim, federalizing the police is a terrible outcome. And the desired one, if the police are no longer accountable to their local governments and communities. I agree with that. The challenge is there are periods in which the federal government intervenes right. when people's rights aren't being upheld. When extremists are burning down people's property and, the, and your local government is laughing in your face, refusing to do anything and supporting the extremists, that's when the federal government is supposed to come in to protect your rights. So when the federal government deputized these state police, it was in protection of the rights of those who live there, not it you know in in, in contra- oppression yeah not oppression there was no usurpation involved as far as i can tell all right noah poa says my uncle got the johnson and johnson vaccine just some days ago he had a stroke due to blockage Whoa. he has no history of blood issues it's kind of eye opening when something perceived as rare happens to someone you know personally yeah was that registered as one of the cases because you said uncle and according to the news it was only women I believe it was, uh, it was what, eight women or something? Mostly, yeah, five or six women, I think. Oh, okay, so maybe maybe that was then. I don't know. 
Emily Mower says, look it up, Tim. You don't know what you're talking about. European Union equals confederal. United States equals federal. History books are written by the victors. Okay. Oh, I see. Many, many, yeah, I get it. Raz Grizz says, I'm willing to compromise with Rashida Tlaib. We can get rid of policing starting with the ATF. The history of gun control is unironically a history of discrimination against freed slaves and other minorities. Agreed. Seconded. Moving on. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, I don't really understand why that and the, and the positive things that they do, which there are, I would you know, explosive, you know, terrorist groups, why that can't be en- enveloped into the FBI. Yeah. Uh, break yeah. up the ATF. Break it apart. Right. Alcohol and fire. You see that they're selling plush dogs. <laughs> no. The ATF announced their new store <laughs> is up. Responses. And then there's like uh, a picture of like a shirt and then like a plush dog. And I was going to tweet a joke about it, but I was like, it's too dark. Too dark. DHS is a big waste of money as well. Mm. Just get, 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 I'm get, with get, you, get, man. Get in, in, in what way? Bureaucracy. Uh, it, it creates Bureaucracy. and it creates. A, it slows down the process. Uh, the counterterrorism stuff they do, which is the sort of raison d'etre, is not well regarded in the intelligence community. But, but are it you saying like, like bring all these departments under one, like have it run by the FBI? No, get, I mean, you, honestly, DHS, you could get rid of a lot of it because it's just replicating. It's like the uh, director of national intelligence. You're replicating things and the ideal that it's going to make, you know. But sense. ICE is part of ICE and CBP are DHS. Okay, so, so no, so just have them without the, you know, the superstructure of the DHS, right? Have them as they were before DHS. Which was what two thousand three? Doesn't it? Doesn't it actually bring it all under one umbrella and easier to control when the departments are part of one agency instead of? I, I don't think so, and I think it creates you you creating a, a management structure that goes above and beyond. You know, ICE doesn't simply it doesn't you know decision making is slowed down because you can't you've got to keep going up yeah, and up and up. That. And you put the higher you go, the more political it becomes. Sometimes you want these things just to be left to do to their own devices is, unless they screw up. This is a anyway. lot of what we heard from uh, the squad. To get rid of DHS and then pull these agencies out of them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Secret Service. If you, you know, have uh, put them back in the Treasury, ICE functioning more independently, they could probably move more quickly. Like you were saying, right? All right, let's see. Jason Dixon says Doge broke ten cents. Diamond hands to the moon. Oh, there you go. All right. JP McGlone says, Tim, I'll stand up with you. Let's go. All right, let's stand up. All right, everybody stand up. I'm kidding. We're standing? Okay, okay. We're, We're standing, standing, everyone. No, no more chairs on the Tim Cast <laughs> Show. Strawn says, Tim, stop being lazy. You have a dev team and a super chat problem. If Biden dislikes can be tracked, you can have the super chats tracked and logged with your own program. I don't, what does that refer, reference to? Hmm. I don't know. You have a dev a super chat problem? We do. Oh, we can't get to all of them? I don't know. I mean, there's not enough time in the day to read That's every single super chat. Is that yeah. the issue? I entreat you to flesh out that comment because yes, I want to know what you're talking about. More, yeah. The God Pill says, Tim talking about standing up and doing something as he ignores the war that is GME and AMC and Tim did nothing. I did several segments on GameStop stonks and we talked about, about it quite a, a bit. Yeah, a lot. We actually built a shirt. Uh, yeah, I literally yeah, have yeah. the Diamond <laughs> Hands Gorilla shirt we that we've been it. constantly talking about GameStop. It's right there. This yeah. is a misprint. Oh, it's a misprint. It's the, 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 the ink is. It's is funny that we keep showing the misprint on the show. <laughs> but it. it's a it's a gorilla holding cash because you know apes together strong. And, right, right. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, we've I it. guess I guess we did nothing, but we're good capitalists who made money on it. You know? <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Troy Dingman says instead of cash bail, why don't they let off these nonviolent crimes with an ankle bracelet so they can track their movements? And if they get caught, then you hold them. That's that's what I was saying, right? It's like okay, we're not going to hold you. But you get an ankle bracelet, and then you have a conditional release. There you go. I mean, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're sort of breaking into a car stuff, that you should be, you know, bail. 
but doesn't mean you know you shouldn't face judicial consequences this is why body cameras are important right you know why because when this guy gets caught again on camera with a you know slim jim in a car a cop can be like i'm literally filming you do this you're not going to get you know bailed out this time exactly and good cops that's why good cops like those cameras yes right and the, and the reason they don't if you talk to them is where they're worried that you know when they're in the car i mean like that you, you know speak for you. do you see that right. video of the cop planting drugs yes he yeah. thought he was turning his camera oh, off he but he turned, turned it, it on off. yes and then that. he planted drugs <laughs> dude man. that was florida i think wasn't it that's i don't, know. I don't yeah, know. I think so yeah that's scary, scary stuff man what do you and do you wonder how much that's happened before you know that happens a lot happens a lot what do you do when you're like minding your own business and the cop walks up to you and says, look what I found. A cop that thinks the ends justify the means mm-hmm. is terrifying. Or they're just evil people who want to get the career marks and make money. God, that's crazy. Yeah, people, not, people they're, they're bad people, you know what I mean? And that's why I think as well we need we do need to hire more uh, public defenders, you know, because mm. if, if that happens perhaps to one of us, you know, we might have the money to, to go and get a lawyer and, and to create public attention. But if you're some kid who has no money, yeah, public defender does not have enough time because then the cops can say hey plea it down to misdemeanor what it take it because i do not ha- i got to go and work on 50 other cases today yeah you know? good point yeah. i heard that sonny james says so tired of manufactured outrage is this what happens when a service economy dies like open borders people arguing for a two-day state solu- a two-state solution in israel or green passports my mind can no longer vomit the hypocrisy up no more this was something tucker carlson covered Tucker Carlson did this big segment where he said demographic change is a democratic strategy to win votes. And he's basically saying when immigrants come in, they're more likely to vote Democrat. And that means places like California, which were reliably Republican until, you know, 1988, became Democrat, you know, from 92 on. And it's because they brought in more and more immigrants. And Ronald Reagan was the one who signed it. He got called the white white nationalist. All these journalists are like, he's clearly just the white nationalist, even though Tucker Carlson literally said black Americans are the most negatively impacted by the displacement, the loss of jobs and immigration. It's it's the propaganda. But we saw in 2020, actually, Hispanic voters going much more for Trump than was anticipated. Probably because of this, too. But the the, the interesting point that Tucker ends up bringing up is that the Anti-Defamation League themselves argue against the same thing for the same... They, they basically, you you could take what the Anti-Defamation League said and claim it came from Tucker Carlson, and you'd be like, I believe it. Hmm. Because they were like, Israel should not allow Palestinians to come into their borders because it would displace the ethnic Jews from their state. And it's like, okay. And then they accused, they, they demanded Tucker Carlson quit or be fired for being a white nationalist mm-hmm. when it's like, he just repeated what you guys said about Israel. Right. So it's clearly just an illegitimate argument. All right, let's see where we're at. Rain Miller says, Tim, I would love to hear you weigh on China flying 25 warplanes over Taiwan. These are seri- there are serious issues in Europe right now, too. War with Russia and China under Biden is much more likely than before. We will talk about that in the bonus segment coming up because uh, you're also a foreign policy guy. Right. So we have a lot to talk about with China, too. All right, let's see what we got. We will handle a few more of these super chats. And uh, Chris Rohrbach says, Ian, what are your thoughts on Dogecoin? Well, it's a, it's kind of a comedy coin, but uh, Lex Lex Freeman and Elon Musk love it and tweet about it nonstop. So, I imagine it's a. I'm not much of a financial advisor, but you know the popular coins tend to go up in value. Waffle Sensei says, Tim, if you coordinated to help start a legal defense group for inner, inner city black gun ownership, the minds of these double thinkers would explode. <laughs> a rip and rip a tear in the multiverse. Let's <laughs> f in, uh, yes. let's let's f get to it. I'm not kidding. Get some more UFOs then. 
I'm absolutely serious. So no, I think I've, it's a good idea. Yeah. I've reached out to some people. Well, my issue for first is like I don't want to only be like racially targeted. I don't want it to be like, oh, we're going to help inner city black youth about their guns. I think it's just about people in cities mm-hmm. whose only crime was possession of a firearm and defending them. But I do think starting in Chicago would be very important because, like I said, I know people who are good people, good family people, and they're like, what am I supposed to do? And that's so prohibitive there. And, and, and the law-abiding citizens are like, okay, I won't get a gun. And the gangs, gangs come out, shoot up houses, drive-bys. Right. Not even all gangs. A lot of people are just reckless. And so we want to defend the people with the right to keep and bear arms. And that means even in their own home. But the idea that they have to go through these, you know, these laws or whatever, I think it would be fun to defend them. And it'll be really, really fascinating to see how the Democratic politicians of Chicago handle defending this guy. Like, we're going to take people. We're going to be like, here's a guy who works construction. He's got two kids. He's in his late 20s. He has a wife. He's trying his hardest to raise them right. And he decided to protect himself because of the high gun crime in the city by getting himself a gun. The Constitution says he can. We're going to defend him all the way. What are the, what are the, no, no, this man should be in prison. His kids should go without a father. I'd love to see him say that. No, I think we'd actually help a lot of people. I think the political pressure would result in a lot of these, a lot of these people having their charges dropped. I don't know if the NRA does that. I've heard stories where the NRA does in some cases, but typically it's like suburban women. Right. You know, those are the stories I end up hearing. So I'm, I'm dead serious about that. We'll see what we can end up pulling off. All right. Let's see. Let's, uh, let's, let's take this one. We'll, we'll take one more. Roy Cantor says, Tim, I've been watching some older vids. When your ideology began to shift and the left started to turn on you, how did it make you feel? And did you ever think about calling it quits? What made you decide to keep going? I don't think that my ideology shifted enough to where I ever actually cared about what they thought. When I worked for Fu- when I worked for Vice, Vice was a very libertarian place. When I worked for Fusion, they were, they were, they, they claimed they were trying to be, and then they got woke. I remember I made a video about why it was wrong to have, uh, it was, it was like Harvard did a black only graduation, and I was like, it's segregation, I don't like it. And a bunch of people at Fusion got angry that I said this, and they were complaining about it, and I'm like, why? Do you want to segregate the races? Apparently they did. So my positions have always been, you know, for the most part in a similar place. Now, there are some things I've like 2A for for sure. I'm like very, very pro-gun these days. So, you know, that but uh, the true left, they're pro-gun. The authoritarian left is pro-gun because they need it to stage the revolution to install their utopian communist vision. And the libertarian left is pro-gun because they want to tear down the system. And the libertarian right is pro-gun because Second Amendment, Constitution, free markets and all that stuff. The authoritarian right is anti-gun. That's interesting. Well, maybe not every authoritarian right. It's like the center-right authoritarian spectrum of where the Democrats are. They hate guns. <laughs> I want you to have them. All right, my friends, we're going to have a bonus segment, the members-only exclusive segment coming up at, uh, I'm sorry, coming up at TimCast.com. So go there, become a member, smash that like button, and subscribe to this show and tell your friends about it because we're about to break 1 million subscribers. And when we do, YouTube is going to send us this big, beautiful golden plaque. We're going to hang it up. And, uh, yeah, how about that? It'll be that. Maybe then we'll get banned. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> that's why you go to TimCast.com support us. You can follow me on all social media platforms at TimCast. My other YouTube channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash TimCast News. This show is live Monday to Friday at 8 p.m. So thanks for hanging out. Tom, you want to shout anything out? No, it was, I really had a great time. And uh, thank I mean, you, you for having me. Twitter account? Yeah, uh, Tom R. Tweets is my Twitter account. And, uh, yeah, no, I just had fun. This is great. Right on. I agree, man. And I only wish we could have talked more about UFOs and UAPs because that was, I was jazzed for oh, that, that part that, of the but conversation. But that's, that's coming up in the members only session. Oh, yeah. And I, and I would say just as a concluding comment, though, on that, you know, a lot of that stuff, right, is, is stuff, um, you know, 
to, to work on and, and produce and bring out um flesh out more so you know yeah. more, hopefully hopefully people won't you know just think why, why is this guy just mouthing up all this stuff yeah 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 uh, but yeah yeah, yeah yeah no you're right <laughs> uh, you follow me at iancrossland.net there you go boom yeah and i am sour patch lids super excited about hitting a million very excited about our guest on the 23rd that you guys have to tune in for it is not ben shapiro i am sour patch lids on twitter and mine so follow me there we're gonna be talking about china a new report says that they're basically the biggest threat we're going to talk about that, and it's going to lead into probably more UFO talk. So make sure you go to TimCast.com, become a member, because that should be up in about one hour, and we will see you all then. Bye, guys.